0: Good evening, everybody. Welcome into Oopsville. Yeah, we're on the air, and we hope we're going to stay on the air tonight. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Welcome in, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for dealing with us last week in our debacle. As it were, in uh, the show, we tried our best. It didn't work out. It is what it is. I'm just noticing, I'm realizing we forgot to include a light in our studio setup from last season that I had taken down for other reasons. i got to put it back up, because it's noticing a little dark in some areas. Anyway, Welcome in. I'm your host, Dave McHugh. Coming to you live from the Hoopsville Studios, thanks to d3hoops.com. We also have other partners to thank in the near future as we solidify some partnerships and sponsorships and advertising. If you are one of those individuals who would like to advertise on our show, please do not hesitate to contact us. We would love to hear from you. And uh, find a way to make that happen, as it were. We are simulcasting on YouTube and Facebook tonight. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. YouTube.com slash D3 Hoopsville information sitting on the bottom of your screen. Also, podcast listeners, uh, you're probably wondering what happened to the first one. It has now been posted in its truncated version. This will be the first full show, but show number two of the year. But we're going to get to that again podcast one they may even be delayed off of this one to be completely blunt uh, but we're going to get those up and running if you listen to the podcast right now thank you for tuning in we certainly appreciate it we know not everybody can listen to us live and we appreciate when you can tune in so there you go uh if you got questions for us you can always email us hoopsville at d3 sports.com that's hoopsville at d3 sports.com you can also um uh Let's see. Join us on X slash Twitter at D3 Hoopsville. Um, You can also join us using the hashtag Hoopsville. Um, Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We've got that up and running. Uh, Reminds me, I probably need to get the chat section of it up and running as well. So I'll try and call, or at least like the the messenger side, I'll try and call that up here in a short bit as well. And... um, Let's see. What else have we got? Um, We're on Threads, believe it or not. Threads.com or Threads.net slash Deep3Hoops. Again, it's all at the bottom of your screen. Of course, we're live streaming on T1 Sports on Android TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Roku TV. Uh, We're also on, um, like we said, the simulcast on YouTube and on Facebook. Those are streaming and up and running. We appreciate everybody who who joins in there because we know that that can be um, an option for many of you. And we appreciate it. Last week's, we don't know what really ultimately happened last week and why things did not work. What we do know is how to fix it. And after doing a lot of digging uh, into updates and information and whatever you have it, we were able to discover that there's an integration between our software and Zoom, which we use. And those are now communicating with each other. Tonight, we will have one live interview. The others are pre-recorded for multiple reasons, uh, but it'll be a good test of our live turnaround. The new integration's great; just takes a little while to put it together when it's live. Um, but we're looking forward to, put, to giving that a test run here. I know from pre-taping earlier today that these things work, and as a result, you're also going to get a little bit of a new look on the show. Uh, so let's talk about our guests, shall we? Because that—that's you know, semi-important, I guess in the grand scheme of things. Um, First and foremost, we're going to start with a topic that Ryan Scott wrote about today on D3Hoops.com. He writes an article about grads transfers making their way to the UAA. Um, He talks about a lot of things. Case Western Reserve is a great example of this. We went in a different direction. Not a different direction. I shouldn't say it that way. But we are going to hear from NYU women's side of things Um, Because I think it's kind of interesting because, you know, Natalie uh, Bruns and and that squad certainly did well last year, losing in the uh, quarterfinals to eventual champs Transylvania women's basketball. And guess what we found in the preseason? They had gotten two All-American transfers, uh, Megan Bauman and Morgan Morrison. So we're going to talk to the trio of them about the idea of transfers, the COVID year and coming into a big top-notch program and all of that. So that is going to be the conversation we have with them. So that's coming up. That's going to be our live interview. Really looking forward to that. want to thank in advance Jeffrey Bernstein, um, Meg Barber, and I know I'm forgetting one other individual. Uh, I'll get that name later. For their help with putting that together. It was a, a little little bit of time putting that all together. So certainly appreciate everybody doing that. So. Our our article is to complement what Ryan has. So um, uh, I've read a bit of Ryan's article, but I haven't read the whole thing. Certainly worth it. It's on d3hoops.com. We'll link to it on D3 Hoopsville's uh, webpage a little bit later as well. Then we'll pivot and talk to Julie Folks, the head coach of Transylvania, who we'd not had a chance to talk to uh, last week. She was on standby th- very kindly, waiting for us to figure out our gremlins. She came on. We talked to her earlier today. We talked to her about the championship. We talk about the offseason. We talk about going into this season and already a huge game that they had against DePaul. So we'll talk to Julie Folks coming up. Then we're going to actually hear from John Krikorian again. For anybody who missed it because they gave up on our broadcast or whatever last, night, uh, last week, which is certainly understandable, we will talk to... Uh, John, or you'll hear from John and what he had to say last week on the show. Reminder, it was last week's interview. So, for example, they played against Randolph-Macon, which we talk about in the interview. They beat Randolph-Macon. We aren't talking about that game, but you'll at least get to hear from John once again. And then we're going to hear from Dave Hickson. We now call him Hall of Famer, Dave Hickson. He will join us to talk about being inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame, we talk about what that could mean for Division Three coaches, both men and women, in the future. Um, and we'll talk, heck, there could be some players, arguably, that deserve that honor as well. Um, and then we'll also talk to him about what he's seen in basketball this season. So far, we asked him some questions about Amherst men's basketball, his former program, and his uh, coaching roots, including Aaron uh, Toomey. We talked to all of him about that. Great to have him on the show. That's all coming up. Uh, just a heads up, last week we also had Caleb Kimbrough uh, and Jenna Cosgrove lined up to be on the show from Hamden, Sydney, and Rhode Island College. Due to logistics and scheduling and all of that, could not get them on today tonight's show. Understandably, So we will have them on already scheduled next Monday show, the 27th of November. We will bring them back. So we'll hear from Caleb Kimbrough and Ken, uh, Jenna Cosgrove next Monday after Thanksgiving. Uh, hear from them plus some other guests that we've got ready to go uh, for that. A reminder, obviously we're not going to be on Thanksgiving. We'll be on next Monday. And then the Thursday following, normally we try and be on Thursday shows, But the Thursday following, we are going to be tied up with men's and women's soccer down in Salem, Virginia. Um, It's just too much of a lift to try and do a show um, on Thursday, whether we do it here and then head down for soccer for us Friday, because I'm calling the men's games. But I'd like to see the the women's games as well, but I also don't want the pressure. It's a long story. So we're not going to do a show next Thursday. We will start the Monday-Thursday run Starting on December sixth, the sixth will be the Monday show. I believe I have that date right um, I confirm that on my calendar because it's always better to do it that way. uh sorry, December fourth will be our our traditional Monday show. then December seventh will be our first Thursday show of the season. We will go on the air until uh, on that on that schedule for three weeks. The thursday the uh twenty first right now is scheduled to be our final show before the holidays, outside chance that show doesn't get – that one's always in the air because it depends on how much content is really happening out there. If we don't have enough content or anything to talk about because of holiday breaks and exams and all that, then who knows. But then we'll come back in January, and we'll go Monday through Thursday through the rest of the season. So there you go uh, on the schedule. Again, if you've got questions for us, you can tweet us at D3Hoopsville, hashtag Hoopsville, uh, or X us, post us, whatever it's called um you can also try and message us through there um and then you can email us hoopsle at d3 um sports.com we can get those emails as well um and you can, lots of ways. It's all sitting there at the bottom of your screen, uh, really, if you're watching. Of course, if you're on uh, podcasts, I realize you may not be able to do that. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, YouTube.com slash D3 so You can chat with us there as well, and lots of other uh, abilities. So there you go. Let's take a look at some of the uh, stuff that happened um, in the last week, in the top 25s especially. Uh, Ken, uh, Christopher Newport uh, was one and two when we talked to John Kricorian last week. They're now three and two. Uh, big wins over 14th-ranked Randolph-Macon, 64-54, and 12th-ranked Hopkins, 75-73. A nail-biter there against Hopkins. Hopkins is a good team. Obviously, uh, we'll talk more about them down the road. Uh, Whitewater is off to a good start at 3-0 so far this season uh, with wins over Gustavus Adolphus, St. Mary's of Minnesota, and Carroll. They've got Augustana and Ripon coming up. Ripon had a big win over Carthage. We'll talk about uh, as the season progresses. I know that will converse- be in the conversation. John Carroll's off to a 4-0 start. Um, they did win against Penn State Harrisburg by 20. That was a team I know Ryan Scott has had his eyes on, the, the, that, that Harrisburg squad. Uh, that's a pretty d- commanding win by John Carroll. Also, though, only a 10-point win over Susquehanna. That caught my interest because I'm curious what Frank Marcinic's got going on at Susquehanna to be within 10 games of John Carroll other than just maybe playing uh, right after the, the Harrisburg game. Uh, Keene State, 2-1, uh, and one, uh, beat Western New England handily, then lost to Stockton by four, but then handled UW-Whitewater rather easily. Uh, they've got Connecticut College and MIT coming up, which is, to say the least, going to be interesting. Uh, I- I'm curious about the MIT team this season. I really am. My Union's off to a 4-0 start. Uh, had a squeak by at Mercy in overtime. Got a win over Chatham. Got an overtime win over Scranton. I know I was keeping track of that one because it certainly had my eye. I'm curious what's going on at Scranton if they're going toe-to-toe with Keene State or does that say more about Keene State? Um, Pittsburgh, Pitt, Greensburg was an easy win. They've got Worcester coming up. Oswego's off to a 3-0 start. SUNY IT um, coming up. R.I.P. Clarkson, um, with wins, Nazareth coming up. The Nazareth games one I'm going to have my eye on. Uh, Williams got a loss out of the gate to WPI, who has absolutely been playing phenomenal. Uh, but then beat Dickinson Vassar and Worcester State, along with Saint Lawrence. Though that one went to overtime. Williams feels a little high to me. New poll will come out next week. Hamden Sydney's off to that four and and0 start, which is good. NYU is off to a three and one start. They have a loss to Swarthmore, uh, last second buzzer beater. Uh, Calvin's off to a 3 0 start. Swarthmore's 3 1. They lost to Wash U out of the gate. Hopkins is 2 3. Um, They're in ranked 12th. I didn't have them that high, though 2 3 is a little surprising. Listen, they're learning stuff new under Ryan Kane, so I'm not blown away. But listen, here's who they played, okay? They lost to NYU by 4. They lost to Wash U by 6. They beat York in overtime, I think it was double overtime, 64-62. And York and Pennsylvania is going to be, a Matt Hunter's got a team there that's going to be competitive, uh, very competitive. Then they lost number one, Christopher Newport, by two, and they'll take on Gettysburg, who I'll, I'll see that game coming up next Tuesday. That's not a bad start for Johns Hopkins. That is a tough run to start the season, especially on a new head coach. Case Western's off to a 4-0 start. Randolph Macon's off to a 1-2 start, losing to Virginia Wesleyan in a low-scoring affair, um, and then losing to Christopher Newport. They beat Pfeiffer easily before that. Otherwise, the only thing that East Texas Baptist 0-2, I wasn't even voting for him, I don't believe. Um, North Park's 2-2. and uh, Middlebury's 0-4. And that really stuns me. Lost to St. Joseph's. Okay, understand that one. Lost to Clark. Okay, maybe because Clark might be a, a sleeper. Uh, lost to Redlands, and it wasn't close. Eighty-three fifty-eight. Redlands is a team we got to keep an eye on. And then lost to Wittenberg by three. Middlebury. I, you're gonna hear Dave Hickson talk more about it later in the show about the Panthers. But that surprises me. So, receiving votes category, by the way, WPI is five and zero. We mentioned that earlier. Off to a tremendous start. Redlands is four and zero. Trinity Connecticut's five and zero. There's some really interesting results on the men's side. Women's side, a uh, little bit more chalk, as it were. Tufts did lose to Rhode Island College out of the gate. That's why we're going to talk to Jenna Cosgrove next week. Ohio Northern is one and one. They lost to Wittenberg but beat Anderson. Um, by the way, Hope had a nail biter. Uh, to start the season. They're 4-0, and but they had a nail-biting game. Oh, who was that against? I'm blanking on who it was. Was it? No, it wasn't Hope. It was someone else. I'll have to get back to that. I apologize, folks. Uh, oh, uh, Transylvania men is who I was thinking about. Sorry. I had my brains flipped in my head. the um, sales is 1-1, and lost to Muhlenberg in a low-scoring affair, 44-41, then beat St. Elizabeth, 94-53. Babson's 2-1 under a new head coach. Uh, receiving votes category emory lost um, to start the season to Christopher Newport um, well but in the women's side there aren't a lot of huge sudden surprises in my opinion uh, but that's that's usual you know part of the of the uh that's how it goes right we always expect that so uh, we'll keep an eye on how that all plays out, and we will certainly answer any of your questions. If you happen to have any, send them our way. We'll try and do our best. Uh, before we get on to the rest of the show, I did want to take a moment to send our thoughts and um, our heart to the Wisconsin-Platteville community. Uh, Dr. Christina Navarro-Krupka, the athletics director at UW-Platteville, died suddenly over the weekend um, she had been pregnant, according to their statement. We are deeply saddened and heart uh, deeply saddened and heartbroken by the passing of uh, Dr. Christina Navarro Krupka this weekend. Uh, the quote from the chancellor, Dr. Tammy K. Uh, Evan Evan Tovich, I hope I say that right. Or Ivatovich, athletics director, assistant chancellor. Unexpected passing during pregnancy fills us with both shock and sadness. She was an enthusiastic champion of the entire Wisconsin-Platteville, especially our student-athletes, coaches, and athletic staff. I offer my condolences to her husband, Nick, her family, her friends, and many, many people she impacted during her time at Wisconsin-Platteville. She will be greatly missed. That's all we know. Don't know if it was giving birth or it was a complication of the pregnancy, but unfortunate news out of Wisconsin-Platteville, and our hearts and, and thoughts are with them wonderful woman I know she was really highly regarded at Platville uh, I had only had a, a brief occasions to interact with her uh, but I know she was very well respected uh, she was 39 or 40 and so we can only imagine how heartbreaking that is for everyone so with that we will uh, we dedicate our show to her tonight and in the meantime we will take a break when we come back we will talk to some of the women's basketball players at New York university about transfers and covid years and joining a team and the dynamics of all of that you are listening to hoopsville presented by d3hoops.com from the hoopsville studios outside of baltimore maryland thanks for tuning in, everybody we're off to at least a decent start tonight looking forward to our first segment coming up the national association of basketball coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media.
1: Your teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer, at every meet, every event, every game. Your community is passionate, dedicated, supportive. You know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the win. So while you're cheering, keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary. If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities.
0: We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com.
6: Coach of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All-America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future.
1: Responsibility is being accountable for your words and actions, first and foremost. It also is an obligation to be a positive influence in the communities around you. Being in a D3 program, you're going to have lots of different opportunities. You're not just an athlete, you're also involved in student life. Your academics are extremely important. We give a lot of our student athletes responsibilities right from the start by giving them leadership opportunities, by having them engage in the community, be a positive influence. That's being a responsible person.
0: We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades, from Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media. And welcome back to hoops. A little, little bit of an extended break there as we figured out our newfangled setup. Welcome in. Hope you're enjoying the show. We're rolling here on our second official show. We're calling this season debut part du because uh, the last one was kind of do du. Yeah. I haven't had enough caffeine today, apparently. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3 Hoops or hashtag Hoopsil or X us, post us. I don't know what you call that anymore. Uh, Facebook, we're on there, facebook.com slash Hoopsil. We're also on YouTube, simulcasting, youtube.com slash Hoopsil. And our first great test of the season after the debacle that was last year was figuring, our last show was figuring out how we can do our interviews a little bit more seamlessly. Well, we figured it out, so I'm happy to talk about this topic, because something that has kind of changed with the transfer portals and transfer allowances and all of that is we're starting to see, I don't want to say starting to see, we certainly have seen a little bit in a lot of other sports, transfers, especially from Division One and elsewhere, coming to Division Three to kind of get their last hurrah, as it were. Johns Hopkins women's soccer last year won the national title with a bunch of Division One transfers, but it doesn't work for everybody. They tried to rekindle it this year. They lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Their men's soccer team had high expectations of doing the same thing. Did not have a great year. There are other programs. Catholic soccer tried something similar. There are others haven't had a a lot of success. It feels like women's sports has it a little bit more successful, and now we're kind of seeing it with the extra COVID year. It's blossoming. Case Western Reserve has done this on the men's side. It's gotten some attention. North Park has been doing this through the transfer portal. But what jumped out at us in this offseason was what NYU was able to do. Two All-Americans transferred to a program that was already going to be a favorite to be in the national title hopes. But instead of just talking about NYU, I kind of wanted to talk about how does this develop? And so joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is a trio of guests tonight. We have Megan Bauman, Morgan Morrison, and Natalie Bruns. Bruns, to answer the trivia question is the lone returning student-athlete at NYU. The rest, Megan and Morgan, transferred in. Ladies, first and foremost, thank you for taking the time to join us. I really appreciate it, Uh, especially, uh, uh, I am assuming you three have very busy academic lives at NYU. Yes, for sure. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, I want to start. Natalie, we'll talk about the team and the dynamics in a minute, but I want to start with Megan and Morgan. Quickly remind everybody about where you came from for starters and what what your, your college experience had been so far. Megan, we'll start with you. Remind everyone where you came from and, and what you had kind of went just last year alone, what your experience in basketball had been. Yeah, tough loss to, to, to Morgan. I understand. Speaking of Morgan, Morgan, I know you went a little bit better than Megan, so we won't let you rub it in too much. But everybody, remind everybody where you kind of walked yourself from.
4: Yeah, I came from Smith College. Um, we won three uh, NUMAC championships while I was there, and we made it to the Sweet 16 two years and the Final Four last year.
0: Very impressive final four, we may add. And then, of course, Natalie uh, is the NYU grad, or not grad, she's a senior now. She's the underclassman of the group. Um, and Natalie and Morgan have something in common, right? Um, both of you ran into a team called Transylvania. Yes. <laughs> <Bradley>. <laughs> have you commiserated about that, by the way? what did you say? Have you commiserated about that yet? Most definitely. <laughs> I think that was one of the first um, bonding points that <laughs> So good news for you. I have Julie Folks from Transylvania coming on the show next. So you can stick around and and really enjoy the segment, I'm sure. Um, Let me go back to Megan. Megan, just give me an evolution here. Were you always, when the season was wrapping up, intending to jump and go to another school or even stick around if there was a grad uh, option there? I I don't know the actual answer to that uh, at your old institution. Or were you not sure what you were going to do before deciding to, to transfer and do a grad year? Yeah, so I knew I wanted to play basketball for another year.
5: Um, I just love the game so much and uh, wanted to use that extra year. But the academic piece
2: has always been the most important part to me. Coming from-
5: Absent, I wanted to go to a school that was of equal or higher caliber academics. And at the D3 level, wanted to make sure that it was also a top basketball school so nyu stuck out immediately um the program has a reputation of making it far in the tournament every year um led by coach barber but also the top academic programs and specifically for me the sports business program that they offered
0: yeah i'll be honest sports business uh, i i I work in that world outside of division three and i find it fascinating that there's majors now to kind of help get into that, so that's a great idea. So you were intending to transfer to do a grad year anyway, but were you really planning to to play?
5: Yes, yeah, I was okay. always planning to play. Yeah.
0: Now was it always Division three? Because if I know your information correctly, you weren't you didn't jump into the portal necessarily.
5: I was in the portal. Um, okay. I was looking at some low D ones, but. Again with that academic piece, making sure that the academics were up to the standard that I wanted to stay at.
0: It's almost like you're a division three student athlete and, and you understand the dynamics of, of this of the academic side of that. Morgan, on your side of things, what what where were you? Where where were you as the season was letting up? Where was your mentality on what you would or wouldn't do moving forward?
4: Yeah, um, it's very similar to Megan. Uh as my season progressed i realized that i did want to continue and use my final year Um, i just loved it so much and wanted to get four years instead of three Um, and like megan i was looking for a school that could give me a great basketball um, experience just like smith had did uh, and also very high academics that um, would help me further my career um, which would be their electrical engineering program at nyu
0: Oh, just electrical engineering. No, nothing shabby there at all. Um, Morgan and Megan, correct me if I'm wrong. Were there avenues at your institutions to, because I can't keep track of all these, were there avenues at your institutions to be able to stay and do the year there? Or was there no grad options whatsoever more, uh, ever to go, Morgan, at Smith? Uh,
4: at Smith, there wasn't really a, a official grad program for my uh, major, so... It wasn't uh, the greatest option. That,
0: that makes some uh, sense. Yeah. So you you could have gone grad, but you were basically had to do something completely outside of what you've been doing for, for four years of academics.
4: Yeah, and um, I really just wanted to be able to come out with a master's to which NYU was able to provide me.
0: Sure. Uh, Megan, your institution, did you have an, a path forward there?
5: Uh, similarly to Morgan, there's three grad programs at Babson, none of which were in the major that I was interested in seeking out and saw like professional opportunity from gaining that master's degree.
0: And that's the key here, and and I want other people to understand out there. There's schools like Transylvania, there are no grad programs. There are other institutions like yours, yours that don't have the 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 grad programs necessarily in the major you want, and to stick around, you'd basically have to go into a whole other genre as it were and that may not help you unless it's something that complements what you want natalie on your side of things do you guys traditionally from your experience get a lot of transfers that look to an nyu to continue playing or was something that megan and morgan are going through somewhat a little bit new Are you seeing more of it? Is it becoming... Now, granted, the COVID year is running out. We'll talk about that in a bit. But are you are you seeing the increase? Is it kind of like an exponential curve where it's a couple here, a couple there, and all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute, and then it starts increasing? Yes, I would say so. Interesting. So, Megan and Morgan, I'm kind of curious, before we get into the whole team aspect of it, how did you find yourselves at NYU? You hinted on it a little bit there a moment ago. Morgan, were you looking at a bunch of institutions? Were you in the portal... Were you trying to find the right option for you or did you already make up your mind on where you were going and then deciding to play was the next step?
4: Um, I was definitely looking at a range of options. Uh, It was from low D1s to other D3s. Um, I I hit the portal after season ended. I wasn't really sure what else was out there um, because the current options that I had applied to and gotten in didn't. Workout for the basketball side. Uh, so I just wanted to see what else is out there. And, and NYU ended up reaching out, uh, which actually started that process with them.
0: Megan, from your perspective, you reached out to NYU, right? So were you finding the school, you kind of talked about it already, but were you finding the school first and then the program? Or was it kind of like Morgan, except that you were making calls yourself?
5: I think it was both, um, when I was looking at grad programs, I was looking at, like I said, both top academic and top basketball programs. So it was kind of the mix of both of those. And to be honest, at D3, there was only a handful of schools that really fit both of those for me and had, the, had a major that I also, I didn't wanna get a master's degree just to get a master's degree. Um, so I want it to be something that's useful in the future. And so I reached out to some schools, also was reached out to by a handful of schools, um, kind of talked to the coaches, felt out the process, applied a few different places and um, ended up visiting here and really liking it and hearing about the team and the coaches and the program that's been built here.
0: So obviously, a slightly different roads, but it's interesting because you get two really good basketball players, Natalie, who are suddenly calling or being contacted by NYU to join a program that's already got a lot of really good basketball players. From your perspective, Natalie, what was that experience like in the offseason to know that you know this transfer idea is kind of coming to you? And listen, there's there's a chemistry on a team. There's a dynamics on this team. There's there's egos on these teams, which is arguably why I think on the men's team is this, this doesn't work always as well. How did how was that role, especially as a rising senior, to having two powerhouse players looking to come join the Violets? I mean, I was thrilled when I heard these two were going to be joining, just because um, I knew
8: that you know being named All-Americans that had. Some weight. Do it. Um, Obviously, as a senior, you have responsibility to integrate the whole team, really create a culture and get people on board with the culture, Um, which looks different, you know, with grad transfers than it does maybe with, you know, incoming freshmen, because incoming freshmen, obviously coming from high school, that's a little bit more of a blank slate. So just making sure that um, what bringing the experience of what these two had from their previous college experiences and also integrating that with the culture that we have at NYU, especially because the experience at NYU is so unique. Definitely I knew it was a task, but I knew anybody that is willing to come play basketball in the middle of New York City is up for that task and willing to be a part of this process. I knew that these two were going to be good fits in that sense, just the fact that they even signed up for it in the first place.
0: Besides the fact there's a New York-Boston rivalry to begin with, okay? We're talking about two individuals coming from Boston schools, down to a New York school. There's a bit of a rivalry there. You got a park, right?
8: Um, I honestly don't think that's come up too much. I think I've being in the D three world, our our uh, rivalries come more from I feel like conferences than anything sure. else. You know, UDA versus New Mac versus you know whatever else. So yeah, I don't even well, think it's much of a city city rivalry.
0: Of course, two schools in the top of the New Mac who who are rivals to begin with, um, Megan what was the experience like in terms of trying to kind of get acclimated with the team, not necessarily before you arrived on campus, but we can certainly talk about that, but you know, the process with Natalie and the others of, of making that decision and and them being welcoming you on board.
5: I mean, I would say the team was welcoming from day one, the first day we all got here, we went to the volleyball game together at the new facility. And um, so since the first day we've been doing stuff on the court as well as off the court to help with that transition and making it more seamless. We have a lot of new girls on the team and I think that team bonding is all is very important. Um, it translates onto the court. So I think that the captains and seniors and everyone has been super welcoming from the start.
0: Morgan similar question, but again, this is why I think it works so well on the women's side of things in my experience, women tend to park the ego at the door a lot easier. Is is that an accurate way of saying that? And is that kind of part of how you make sure something like this can work?
4: Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, we all came in to win a national championship, and I think everyone understands that. And not only are we competitive with each other, but we also know that in order to achieve this goal, we have to accept everyone's strengths and weaknesses and really just push each other from that. And I think that's what this program does very well is that we have that understanding and we know what to do to get to it. So,
0: Fair. Uh, Natalie, to some extent, there's got to be some players who know, and I, I reference Hopkins again. I knew this happened there, that knew that they had roles when they were sitting either – on the bench or whatever last season, knowing there were players who would graduate or move on, that they knew there were roles they were moving themselves into or going to position themselves for. No idea Megan or Morgan were coming. How does that go over for a team that, yeah, but we've got these two other players coming in. We need to understand that our roles have now changed again.
8: Yeah, no matter how um, person one person's role changes on this team, we know that every person's role is extremely important. So that could mean, you know, more minutes on the court, less minutes on the court. Um, There's different ways that people can contribute. And I think, again, something that's been really great about our culture is knowing that each role is equally important, no matter what that looks like, um, technical or non-technical role.
0: Um, On the aspect of getting everybody acclimated, you talk about going to a volleyball game. What else did you all do in the lead-up? Now, granted, you could meet as a team earlier now than you used to. I know that's a difference. But Natalie, what was your goal, especially as one of the leaders on this team, to get everybody acclimated and get everybody used to one another outside of just going to a volleyball game?
8: Well, so um, we have about just as many returners as we do newcomers. So there's grad transfers as well as a decent amount of freshmen. So what we did prior to everyone coming on campus is we actually paired each returner with one to two new players just to, you know, check in make sure that things were going okay, see if they had any questions just to kind of kickstart that process. Because um, knowing that the returners were also close and we had a culture already established, we wanted to welcome people into that rather than making it seem like it was, you know, a group of returners and a group of new people coming in. So making sure that we integrate ourselves within the entire team was really important.
0: Morgan, I I can't, imagine from a financial aspect this is division 3 it's not like you were coming from a division 1 I. I heard one person's example that thought was apt listen you're at division 1 basketball program you've got your scholarship paid for for a handful of years you're you you could pay for one year of a division 3 institution it, it's a good trade off that's not necessarily the case this is this is to go to grad school is already a tough financial decision adding in the the weight of the basketball, did that make this a tougher decision or was it just part of the course?
4: Um, It's definitely a little of both. Obviously, I had many discussions with my parents making sure that this was feasible and um, something that wouldn't hurt us financially. Um, And, you know, my parents supported me greatly, which I'm so grateful for. Um, And they wanted this just as much as I did. So... Um, I think that really played into the decision.
0: Megan, you've said it. This this was part of the decision already. You were going to spend this money. I'm saying you generically, certainly not use specifically. I'm not trying to find out how it's being paid for, but this was already going to be an expense. So you're just adding the basketball to it, right? This this was already part of the life step forward. Yeah.
5: Um, I mean, I guess kind of, I I don't think I would have gone to grad school if I wasn't playing basketball. Okay. Uh, I probably would have gotten a job, um, but I decided to use my extra year to play basketball as well as get a master's degree in something that's going to be relevant for
0: me. Okay. That's that's a great insight. So this wasn't, unless you could play, this wasn't necessarily the next step forward. So finding that place you could play at a high caliber place was important. So that did play a role. You talk about the extra year, ladies, and that's what I want to get to finally on this is the COVID year. I think officially we will no longer see the COVID year in play next year. I think it's next academic year is when it finally runs out. But that's a huge dynamic, isn't it? I mean, you all have gone through something. I as a former student athlete cannot relate to. I had 5 of uh, 10 semesters, a complete 4 years of act, of athletics. That was it. There weren't there wasn't a grace period unless I got some major injury and let's be honest, I wasn't going to play if there was a major injury. But that's something that you all have had to deal with and go through and added how early on did you realize Ma- Megan we will start with you? How early on did you realize you would probably end up using that COVID year in this kind of capacity or Or was it not something you fully could understand until more recently?
5: I would say beginning of my senior year, I really started to think about if I wanted to use it and brought in a bunch of things, my body, um, the love for the game. But ultimately, I love the game of basketball, watching, playing, whatever it is. And I knew that I wanted to play for another year. Um, So, yeah.
0: Makes sense. Morgan, similar question. Uh, How soon or recent did you start to think about that?
4: Yeah, it definitely came up in uh, the summer before my senior year started, uh, when I started really contemplating it and actually um, looking at the grad school process. And like Megan, taking into account um, how much playing I actually had left in my body um, before the senior year started and uh, what I could take.
0: Natalie, you you technically have a COVID year left, am I correct? So I've got the timing right. Um, have you debated about making a similar move, whether it's staying at NYU, since you and Morgan are essentially in the same um, class or uh, major world, as it were, or moving on somewhere else? Has that been a conversation you've had?
8: I mean, yeah, it recently it definitely has, especially when you look at the beginning of your senior year. Like Megan said, you have to start thinking about your pro, your post-grad life and – Um, with as many programs as NYU has. It's definitely something I've thought about and there are programs I'm applying to. Um, And we'll see what happens, you know, in the spring and where I get in and what all happens with everything else. But it's definitely something I've thought about for sure. But I I can't say anything definite right now.
0: By the way, quick note, I was told, Morgan, that Natalie being in the same major was very helpful for you to understand the dynamics, even if it was... Uh, postgraduate world, the dynamics, though, of NYU, the team, the major, all of that. Am I right?
4: Yes, uh, I think that was very helpful to me because um, the engineering school is actually located in Brooklyn, and we practice and play in Manhattan. So it was very helpful to see what that life would be like and if it was feasible for me.
0: Megan Morgan, you're actually lucky because the team now plays where they're supposed to be playing. Natalie, you've gone through years of did you you didn't know necessarily where your games were going to be taking place. Um, so this is almost the same experience for all of you now because none of you um, have practiced and played in Manhattan at the Paulson Center. So this is this is part of what everybody can experience at, as a first, right? Mm-hmm. That's pretty amazing. Uh, by the way, Natalie, I, I obviously volleyball opened the Paulson Center. You all were supposed to open the Paulson Center last season before an unfortunate water pipe went ba-boom. Um, bittersweet, Natalie, that you guys couldn't open up the gym?
8: Um, A little bittersweet, yes, just in terms of, you know, the logistics of everything, having to continue to travel and not being able to host the NCAA tournament last spring. However, I am super happy for the volleyball team. We have a great relationship with them, and they are a fantastic and super successful team. So I'm not going to take away anything or any credit from them because they did a great job opening up the facility as well.
0: Yes, they did. Now, you guys opened up the facility yourselves for basketball with a um, tourney. With MIT and Washington U in attendance, interesting enough, got to see your your uh, UAA foes a bit earlier than you normally would. Kind of wanted to, final thoughts on, on the start of this season so far. You're off to a four and zero start with wins over MIT, Johns Hopkins, Kane, and Colorado College. Uh, Megan, we'll start with you. How how's the season started from your perspective?
5: I think we're off to a great start. I think we have a lot to improve on. And I think we all know that. And practices have continued to be super competitive from one to 21. Um, Everyone throughout our team knows the standard that we want to set. And I think we have goals for the rest of the season, but just taking it one practice at a time and one day at a time will help us get there.
0: Morgan, your perspective?
5: Yeah, I
4: think we've been playing uh, great these past couple of games. I mean, obviously, we're still gelling. And like Megan said, um, we're still improving. I mean, that's a good sign if we're still improving. It's still so early in the season. You never want to peak too early. Um, And yeah, it just makes for an exciting future uh, for this year.
0: Natalie, your perspective on the year so far?
4: Yeah, I mean, as both of these um,
8: players have said, we're off to a great start and there's still a lot to improve on. And I think um, a big piece of that is going to be continuing to show people what our culture is about. Obviously, I've been through it the past three years. And again, we talk about not having a facility. And a big part of that is we had a um, great culture and great people around us that were all going through that together, traveling to and from Brooklyn, different facilities. And just making sure that we bring that insight and continue to bring that insight to help gel everyone. Again, as you said earlier, making sure um, we're all on the same page, even with a bunch of new players in the picture.
0: Uh, Naila, you got to get them ready for UAA travel. You don't have a lot of travel to begin with to start the season, but then you got to get them ready to travel A, back to Boston, but B, to Atlanta and Rochester and Cleveland and Chicago and St. Louis. Uh, Has the process started to get them ready or are you waiting for the right moment?
8: Um, I think that, you know, knowing that these two have been through the NCAA tournament, they know a little bit of what that's like for sure. Um, Obviously doing that every other weekend during conference play is a little bit different, but again, the people that are willing to sign up and commit to play at NYU are the type of people that are willing to take on that challenge, grow from it and and really just have fun with it. So I have not a doubt in my mind that they will have a great time traveling as much as the rest of us have in the past few years.
0: Yeah, fair. It's a, I know from UAA talk, conversations that they love the bonding experience it provides, not only with their own team, but with the, the op- opposite gender as well. Um, quick note, I don't know if you can do this, ladies, but whatever airline they got make sure and hotel get frequent flyer programs, uh, take advantage Thank of the you. points.
8: Yeah, we definitely can. So did they're very
0: good. So do that and then you're you're gonna be golden. I mean, maybe not as golden as Natalie after four years of this. Uh, but one year of it ain't too shabby either. Ladies, really appreciate you coming on, giving us a little bit of an insight on things. Uh certainly a different dynamic. Um, I love that there's just two new Mac players who said, Hey, forget Boston. Let's go to New York uh and play some basketball. Um, we have a tradition on the show. We always give the final word to our guests. Um whatever you think needs to be said or added that we didn't talk about that you think is important or whatever you want to add to this. You're welcome to on our screen. We will go left to right Megan. We will start with you. Any final thoughts to our viewers at home?
5: Thanks for having us and we're looking forward to a great season.
0: I appreciate it, Morgan.
4: Yeah, we're just really excited for this year and thank you again for having us.
0: Absolutely. And Natalie, you're, you, you get to wrap it up.
8: Yeah. I think my teammates have, said it all. Um, I'm super excited knowing what NYU has been through, and I'm just excited to see that continue to progress. So,
0: Well, congratulations to all three of you on what you have done to this point in your careers. We've enjoyed watching you play on separate teams. I think we're truly going to enjoy watching you all play on one team. I know Transylvania is ahead of you. You've got your eyes on them. Um, and we're looking forward to maybe a rematch somewhere down the road. Shameless plug, Julie Folk's coming up later in the program. Uh, Ladies, take care. Good luck with the academics and the basketball season. Look forward to catching up and connecting with you in the future. Thank You. you. Take care. Thank you. Megan Bauman. Uh, Morgan Morrison, Natalie Bruns joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Really appreciate their time to do that. As we mentioned, Julie Folk's coming up. But I want to thank Jeff Bernstein uh, and Meg Barber especially for helping o- arrange that. Uh, I told you there was one other individual, and I've already forgotten uh, to look up that individual's uh, info. Give me a second um, because did some heavy lifting for me to help um, later. Oh, Kai. I want to thank Kai for his help as well. We're going to take a break. When we said Julie folks from Transylvania joins us still ahead. Also, we will bring back our conversation with John Krikorian from Christopher Newport last week. And we'll hear from Dave Hickson from Amherst. You'll listen to Hoopsville presented by D three hoops.com from the Hoopsville studios back with more. After this, we've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. Coach
6: of the Year, Administrator of the Year, All America Team, Wade Trophy. The WBCA doesn't just honor coaches, but players, administrators, and much more. The WBCA strives to honor those who have contributed to the advancement of women's basketball. Celebrate the present, honor the past, look to the future.
4: We are calling you, all of you. We are calling all Division Three schools to join our cause.
5: It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Rolled through the first live interview with no issues, and we're moving forward, though the rest of the show is a little bit pre-taped. If you got questions for us, you can uh, tweet, post, whatever it is, at Twitter, uh, X, whatever it's called, at D3Hoopsville. Of course, email hoopsville at d3sports.com. You can, um, you can also find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. By the way, all the information on the bottom of your screen to assist if you happen to be watching us, whether it's on your mobile, on your computer, or maybe it's on the big screen, thanks to our Team 1 Sports app, you can find it on Team One Sports at Android TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, and Roku. Simulcasting on Facebook as well as YouTube. And we appreciate everybody joining us as well. All right, let's talk Transylvania women's basketball. They're the national champs, uh, defending national champs. Preseason number one, off to a good start at 1-0 with a good, good, good win over DePauw to get things going. We were supposed to have Julie Foulkes on the show last week, but that fell through. And then we had some um, timing issues, so we made sure to pre-record our conversation with Julie, talking about the Pioneers' expectations for this upcoming year, and so much more. Three, two, one. Now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline is the head coach of the Transylvania Pioneers women's basketball team. It is Julie Folks and coach... First and foremost, thanks for dealing with us on the first attempt at our season debut. Thanks for joining us on the second attempt. Welcome uh, to the program and and welcome to the new season. And congratulations. We haven't had a proper chance to say that to you on the show, on the championship from last year. Uh, are you guys still kind of riding that high a little bit?
6: Uh, well, first, thank you for, for having me. And I am glad I'm not the one that has to do the technology piece because I would be a giant fail at any of that. Um, Seems I'm But yeah, close. you know, I think it's been a fun off season, and um, that that piece has been good. And we are definitely we have moved forward into the next year. I think having our first real game helped us kind of finalize. Hey, we've got to shake off all of the stuff from last year and, and figure out what parts of us are going to be different and how are we going to move forward and try to be successful again this year.
0: Certainly, it, you know, there was a there was an aspect leading up all of last year of Can they get there? Can they rise above? You know, we keep seeing you have these great seasons and you can't even get out of your own gym in the playoffs. I know a lot of that was on you guys. At what point in the season or the postseason did you finally feel like, okay, we've gotten past the what-ifs, we've gotten past the I-don't-knows, we're we're there, at least from an internal point of view?
6: You know, I think the year before when we were undefeated and went to the Elite Eight and had a couple big wins in that stretch, you know, that year we had one of the toughest strength of schedules in the country. And so you took that and that team won and then went to the elite eight. And then when everybody essentially came back, I think it really hit us about five or six games in when our defense started where we had finished the year before. And we really realized, hey, we're going to be tough to score on. And not only are we going to be tough to score on, we're going to have one of the best defenses in the country. And we're going to hang our hat on that and uh, you know, I think there's a part of me like internally told in I was a little bit disappointed because I wanted to always have the best offense in the country. Uh, and a couple of years ago when we were in the Sweet 16, we we had the most efficient offense in the country and that team got to the Sweet 16. And so at some point we had to come to terms with defense and rebounding uh, maybe being the actual key. Um, and so I think, you know, we had changed our goal to uh, tighten up on our defense and what we thought we should be giving up a quarter and we kept hitting that goal, and I think that was when everybody realized, hey, you know, we have the pieces, we have the experience, and and while our schedule last year didn't mimic the one the year before, we already knew we could do those sort of things. And for us, uh, I think we had a lot of confidence in what we could do, uh, mostly because we knew we could defend and keep ourselves in every game that we played.
0: Well, it was interesting because you know you you guys, for lack of a better description, pretty much dominated. Most of last season, other than just the record, even in the playoffs, I think there were some games there that a lot of us kind of thought, okay, this is going to be a test. Oh, really wasn't beat NYU by 16. Uh, You beat Ohio Northern by 14. You beat Smith by 11. I know that was a little closer than the 11 points, but you didn't have that nail biter come down to the buzzer game at any point. And and I think at that point for me, I kind of went, yeah, this is, this feels different to this yeah. squad, and you walked all the way to Dallas with that and finally got that nail-biter against Christopher Newport. <laughs> just tell me about the experience at Dallas, but also about that hurdle of getting to that championship game. Heck, getting to just to the semifinals in the first place. Yeah.
6: Well, you know, it, in some ways, I think for everybody here, it felt like a little bit of the monkey off, you know, off your back because we felt like we had some teams that did that. And everybody knows part of the postseason is just staying healthy and from a just overall health perspective we were in great shape the entire postseason last year we didn't have flu or injuries uh or anything like that and so from that we were in a physically really good place and you know i think we always like our chances when we are only planning for one game and so the joint championship for us maybe played into what i think is some of our our biggest strengths and you know our team's ability to prepare and so We knew we only had to go into the semifinals for Smith and spend that whole time and then uh, 12 days to work on Christopher Newport. And so I thought that gave us a chance to really be at our best for both of those. And so we loved it. I mean, if you ever get to, you know, go to one final four and one national championship, you got to pick the year of the joint championship. That was an incredible experience for our players. Um, You know, I mean, between all the fun things they got to do for the hype and the 12 days, they got to do to have the community you know celebrate them uh it was really the best part was just watching them get to go through all that and obviously then when you come out on top uh that's a pretty special day
0: yeah i couldn't tell at one point especially on the red carpet who was having more fun you guys or brian lane (laughs) Uh, it it was a tough call
6: yeah tough call you know and it was great that the men's conference you know national championship was in houston and so we had you know, all of our men's staff there as well. And I, I don't think Brian would ever have missed that. But, uh, you know, he's one of our biggest cheerleaders and supporters. And so we were very lucky to have them beside us.
0: Yeah, we don't remember talking about his enthusiasm last year. Um, listen, this is a squad that brought back everybody. But quickly, before we leave the Dallas side, talk about the game with that squad and what you guys did to really, I think, play a team that I can't find on your schedule anyone similar yeah. to the captains yeah. I know you said you had 12 days to prep but what was it ultimately that got you guys over the hump and to that national title with against cnu yeah
6: well you know christopher newport's pressing defense obviously is their their signature and what they are amazing <laughs> at and when we first started we were playing a practice five on 12 we wanted everything there was not a spot on the floor where you weren't going at least against seven in the backcourt seven in the middle seven on that end and we needed them to we thought get very comfortable with all of the uncertainty that they create, and we tried a lot of people in a lot of different spots on the floor. And going into that final game, we honestly we we'd moved people into different spots in the press break than they had ever played, um, just because over the course of those ten days, we you know we started to see some different trends. And you know, I give our players a ton of credit. They absolutely understood between their three presses. How we were by the time we were actually there in the game, how we were going to attack it. If you could have seen the first three days, uh, you'd have felt confident it was not going to go our way. Um, but to our players' credit, every day we came, which, you know, they we learned more, we tried more, and we found a plan. And I thought our last two practice sessions um, went really well. It was a weird experience because you can't simulate their press by going 80% and trying to rest legs and keep people healthy. We really had to go. It was probably our most intense 10 days of practice because there was no way to simulate it at half speed. Um, And our players did a great job. We were able to flip the script a little bit and press them and and do some different things full court, which actually I think simulating their press actually helped us be able to do some different things on defense as well. So uh, it was it was fun. It was a really fun experience. It was a great challenge uh, to just go against something different. It had been a while. Uh, I think because of our guard playing the backcourt, since anybody had pressed us. And so that was a a different day and experience.
0: Oh, I'm I'm sure that's fascinating to hear, too, uh, the dynamics of all of that. Um, Impressive championship, to say the least. Uh, Sorry it took us so long to talk about it, but let's (laughs) pivot towards the actual season. Again, I mentioned almost everybody back, uh, in in case anybody hasn't. I checked out the roster yet, or, or the stats, that includes uh, Deja Thornton. Um, you only lost one player from that unit. This feels like a tough season in the sense that, okay, you, you climbed the mountain, you got to the top, you got the championship, and so the assumption is you, you should be able to do that again with everybody back. How do you keep everyone <laughs> focused on the task that, no, you're, you're starting from square one essentially again?
6: Yeah, you know, I think their biggest strength since they've been here, the upperclassmen, is that they're they're highly competitive people who love who love big challenges. You know, I think the bigger the challenge, the more inspired they are. They have never shied away from anything that we have thrown in front of them, um, and in that included this year, we decided we we did a, our first scrimmage against Ashland, so we had the reigning national championships play each other. Uh, And then our first exhibition was EKU. And so we wanted it to be very challenging right from the get-go and make that a very hard preseason. And so that was pretty fun. And, uh, you know, we knew they were going to be excited about that heading into the year. And we were doing everything we could to obviously prepare for the DePaul game. It is a very tough place to go and win. And, you know, as we all know, the first game of the year can have some really deep postseason implications in terms of, hosting and so we wanted to give ourselves the best shot that we had to go there knowing they had an entire month to prepare for us as well uh and give ourselves a good shot but you know losing maddie kelly and I, it wasn't just anybody it's your you know the all-american uh our point guard and you know who's really led the show uh for a couple of years and so you know i think a lot of the beginning has just been figuring out how are we going to be different who's going to fill different roles and 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 you know who's going to kind of help move us forward in different ways. And so it's it's been fun to to do that as a group.
0: Yeah, no, it's certainly nothing against uh, who you lost. Madison led the team in assists, <laughs> uh, led the team in scoring, uh, was, as you said, an All-American, uh, certainly contributed in other ways. I think she was uh, top five in steals, certainly a, a solid rebounder. A lot of pieces that someone has to fill in. You've got a lot of up- upperclassmen experience. You also have a lot of underclassmen, You might have five who, quote unquote, quote unquote, could graduate at the end of this year, but you've got a whole host of underclassmen. So there's a lot of experience, but there's a lot who are learning from that experience. How do you balance making sure that those underclassmen not only learn, but then, you know, physically get the internship as it were?
6: Yeah, well, I think that's a really good point. And one of the things that we always take a lot of pride in is when we have big turnover, having the next group ready to go. And, you know, two years ago when this group came into their junior year outside of Maddie and Kennedy, the others hadn't been starting. And so we didn't know how they were going to do when they were in the limelight. And obviously they shined. And so, you know, part of what we're doing is I think it's the great thing of every day. Our underclassmen are going against some of the most talented players in the country. And the great piece is our upperclassmen are always excellent teachers. They take a lot of pride in making sure the people behind them are learning. And understanding what the success has been from. And so it's a fun environment. Uh, Practices are very competitive, obviously. uh, And we mix groups. And then we have kind of the upperclassmen go against the underclassmen. So everybody can kind of see exactly where we're at with things on offense and defense. Uh, But I feel good about our next group. We have a lot of underclassmen who are very competitive and very skilled. And so you know, when this turnover happens, uh, you know, we essentially have seven, seven months right now, six months, I guess, to really make sure that, hey, we're ready once this graduation hits to, you know, see what we can do in the future, too. So trying to always be multi-planning uh, for both the, the immediate present and, you know, the not-too-distant future, it always feels like the next season is on you quickly.
0: Oh, that's the truth. I know that feeling very well from my seat. Uh, I can't imagine. I I believe that. (laughs) Yeah, I can't imagine what it's like from your seat. It it never ends. Um, Speaking of which, it's one of the reasons we're pre-recording with you. You're already looking ahead to the future uh, on the recruiting trails as we're live on the air. Um, You mentioned the ball game. That's the only game you played interesting enough this season. You decided to play one game and then do the uh, national (laughs) tournament treatment and take take two weeks off um, before your next game against Maryville. Uh, coming up this weekend at home uh, in a tournament, uh, we should point out. You'll still have Wittenberg ahead of you in Defiance uh, and Franklin in conference play along with Manchester and Bluffton before getting back in a non-conference play uh, late in December, and then it's back in a conference play. And to your point, the first game of the season, I've already had a colleague jokingly say, well, I've already penciled in Transylvania in <laughs> the NCAA tournament because they got the win over DePaul. And listen, Chris Hoffman won and won her 700th game immediately following that. That is... Has been the barometer in that part of the country. Um, tell me a little bit about more about the game and the break now to yeah. kind of get everybody ready for the next one after such a kind of a, a kind of harky jerky start to the season.
6: Yeah. Well, the break was purposeful. So last year we hosted the NCAA volleyball tournament, uh, and our team, our volleyball team, went to the the national championship, the tournament, eighteen tournament last year. And honestly, you know, they returned everybody and we knew our volleyball team was going to be very good and our teams are very close. They all, the volleyball team came to the national championship in Dallas. Um, And so we actually, we purposely left that weekend cleared out. We didn't want to be moving things around. We wanted to make sure if they were here, we were going to be able to support them. Uh, Unfortunately, they lost in their Sweet 16 game in five at Hope and it was one of the um we couldn't get there that day and it was one of the best volleyball games i i mean it's just powerhouse um when it was tied eight to eight in the the fifth game i thought i thought we had it and they were going to go to california um so that was the reason for the break we didn't we didn't want to be planning on top of volleyball we wanted to be here to support volleyball um that's important to us and you know in the past this past weekend would have been the normal opening weekend so uh, there's still plenty of time to get the 25 in good point um but next week's a big week. We'll go four games in eight days. And um, obviously, uh, you know, Maryville will come in. And then we have the winner of um, or, you know, or loser of Alma and Calu, and they, you know, or Wisconsin Lutheran and they have been good. And then Wittenberg on Wednesday. And, you know, they have two top 25 wins right now. Um, and then we hit league play. And so we know it's a very big week. We've uh, worked hard to try to have a good week of practice. I think this time of year is always hard uh, when the semester's winding down and, uh, lots of things are due and heading into finals. So I think the next three weeks are kind of the big, the biggest grind of the year in terms of balancing it all. And so we hope to, we hope to have a really good week, uh, next week and and find a way to, uh, play well and, uh, you know, really quick turnarounds in terms of game prep.
0: The bigger D3 guy in me loves that you guys took that moment to try and make that work if they're at home and stuff. We don't have to dive into the weeds on it, but hats (laughs) off to you and the program um, for thinking that through. Um, Again, the DePaul game, big one, in the conference. You know, it's a conference that uh, the argument's been hasn't really been able to test you. RHIT hasn't been as – Rose Holman hasn't been as strong uh, in recent years as it had been previously. Some others kind of are there but not. is coming. Interestingly enough, not this year, but in the future, that could certainly make things a little bit more interesting. I know we talked about this in the past, but I I don't think we've talked about it this early. How do you go through the conference schedule? Knowing you got to keep winning, but also that you got to find ways to keep yourselves kind of fresh while testing yourself. Like, what's going to be the balance this season? To make sure you can do what you did last year all over again, but also knowing the target is huge now—it's yeah. absolutely huge on the back of, uh, of your team. Yeah, well, you know, from a conference perspective,
6: you know, Hanover had a great year last year and was right there on the edge, and you know, they went and they beat Simpson to start the year, and uh, they, you know, they have a young lady who scored forty-one and. And they're very talented. And, you know, Coach Jones got to be our our rep. So he's seen everything that we have done now uh, uh, for the last three weekends. So he probably knows our offense better than I do. Uh, and so he's doing a great job. So I think they're going to be right there in the conversation. And Mount St. Joe, you know, she last year in her first year did a really good job. They're 5-0 and now. Um, and so I think, you know, the top is – has elevated again this year, which uh, we're excited about. I think, you know, we had some graduations and some turnover and, you know, coaching turnovers in the league. And so, you know, I think we're going to have some really good games in conference, and that excites me. And, you know, I think good and bad, everybody knows that we play zone. And so in some ways, it's conference play becomes a little bit harder because the more so- times you see it, the more chances you have a, you know, to figure out what might work. And so sometimes it's easier. It feels like when we play teams just for, you know, one time, you know, it takes the first half to just kind of get adjusted to what's going on and it's different and, um, you know, harder to simulate, I think, than you know, you play 14 games in a row against man to man and then you get a team that predominantly only zones, uh, you know, that is, that's not a trade secret at this point with this group. Um, but I think that is one of the advantages out of conference that sometimes in conference you know, every time somebody plays us, and we have groups that have played it now, you know, two or three times a year, they just you know keep coming up with new ways that are working.
0: Well, it's not a bad thing either. It helps you keep yeah, you all, great. yeah, kind of understanding that you could see twists and turns. I personally love the uh, put twelve men on the on the twelve players on the on the court uh, mentality and practice. Uh, uh, that's yeah. a lot of fun. That's that shoot, I was
6: even at the front of the press, and I'm not very good, so. <laughs>
0: there you go hey um by the way when are we going to get you and the men's team out to vegas
6: oh gosh if you could lower airfare at that time yeah. of year that would be <laughs> yeah kidding. no i
0: know that one uh, yeah this is no, the first I, I year, in a long this year. We haven't.
6: yeah we didn't fly this year just the rates are just yeah, yeah you add in as everybody knows the price of buses has gone up a hundred percent in the last five years and it's you know i think everybody around the country right now is trying to figure out how do you balance uh, the cost increase? And, um, you know, and that's good and bad. And that that means we play some games that are always closer. Um, but this year is the least amount of travel we've done in a while just because yeah. we're trying to balance some of the budget stuff out. It's, you know, it's obviously getting harder for everybody right now. But we would love to come to Vegas. I, I Our team would you know they're they are like like a team that would really like to walk up and down the, and see everything. They they like all the new experiences.
0: Yeah, no. I think you guys would have fun time there, but I totally I can totally hear you. I, I cringed when I saw the airfare this year myself. Um, yeah. you know, usually fly Southwest. Usually it's like, "Oh yeah, I get a really good rate." And I'm looking at yeah. this year going that is <laughs> not a good rate. Um, so I can I can I can feel that pain, but we would love to have you obviously in Certainly can appreciate those dynamics. I don't want to keep you any longer. I know you got busy places to go. Again, really appreciate you sticking with us Uh, basically on hold uh, for almost a week. Uh, So we appreciate that. As always, though, we give the coach the final word or the guest. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in tonight?
6: Well, Dave, I appreciate that you guys do this and that you're back for another season. Uh, You know, everybody at the end of the year is super excited to watch your guys' predictions and you guys get it, you know, so close and so right. Um, But all of your work, Obviously, I mean, we just appreciate it. Adds, uh, as you know, D three sports. You know, the top is really elite, and you guys help everybody really come to realize how good the top of the country is in all of the sports. So, thank you.
0: Well, thank you, Coach. I appreciate it uh, as always. Love having you on. We will figure out how to get you on uh, Deja. We're we're waiting for her presidential <laughs> run as well when she's graduated. <laughs> From Transylvania, We haven't forgotten her, her aspects there you go. <laughs> and goals. Um, and we're looking forward to seeing how the team plays the rest of the way. Take care of yourself. Have a great Thanksgiving. Have a great holidays. Have a great season. I know we'll talk to you later in the year and we'll, and, uh, well, in the meantime, enjoy it. now oh, Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Julie folks joining us on the Hoopsville hotline. Appreciate coach coming on the show and, uh, dealing with mm-hmm. our issues last week and agreeing to find a way to get on to this week. Um, Transylvania off to one zero start with that win over DePauw. Um, they had some exhibition games against Ashland and Eastern Kentucky. Ashland, remember, won the D two national championship last year. That's a heck of a, a game we couldn't see. D two versus D one champs or D three champs. Whew, where am I going there? LSU played ETBU. That's a different story. Um, coming up, they are at home. Just like NYU, for a whole mess of games. So they will be home against Maryville in their uh, tournament with a couple teams. I'm not sure who's on the other side of that, to be honest. Uh, Then they're home against Wittenberg and Defiance before they'll hit the road um, for the rest of their HCAC pre-holiday schedule. They're at home for a holiday tournament before getting back into conference play. So they'll try and take advantage of the, the Clive Beck Center as much as the Paulson Center will be trying to take advantage by NYU. Uh, we'll see when those two programs may meet up, meet up in the NCA tournament. We'll take another break. When we come back, we will bring back our conversation with John Krikorian last week. He was kind enough to join us, and he was the only segment that worked. But some of you may have tuned out, so we'll bring it back for you. And still ahead, we talk to Dave Hickson, the now official Naismith Hall of Famer. We'll talk to him coming up as well. You listen to Hoops Hill. Back with more after this. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or NABC 1927 on social media.
1: teams your players your community of fans this is where they play where they practice where you cheer at every meet every event every game your community is passionate dedicated supportive you know the tension of a close game and the thrill of the wind so while you're cheering keep an eye out for anything out of the ordinary if you see something suspicious say something to local authorities
0: We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media.
1: teams, your players, your community of fans. This is where they play, where they practice, where you cheer at every meet, every event, every game.
0: Your community is passionate. Joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, it is John Krikorian. John, uh, much like your season, um, I'm off to a rough start,
7: too. <laughs> uh, this, might, this might have been a sign here, Dave.
0: Yeah, well, I'm trying to help. Hey, listen, first off, let's back up. Obviously, the championship was great. Uh, we talked about that. It was a big boom for the, for the school and the region. The women's team just came close to doubling it up and making it two national championships for CNU. The offseason must have been amazing. It
7: was it was, Dave. Uh, you know, we, we had things like a uh, visit to the White House. Uh, we spent an uh, afternoon at the governor's mansion with Governor Yunkin. We had a, a parade here in, in newport news and, and were recognized and, uh with city council and stuff so i mean it is it, it was awesome uh well deserved for for our guys um, uh, camp was exciting with all the kids uh that were excited to to see our players um so it was it it was awesome.
0: At what point where did you guys have to say, okay, listen, we need to pivot. We, we need to go start focusing on next year. Or how much did you want to try and enjoy what you guys got to experience?
7: Yeah. You know, I've, <laughs> I've never been through that before. Uh, so I, I don't have a great answer. Um, other than, you know, I don't really mess with our guys too much in the summer anyway. Um, that's really their time so the motivation is kind of on them to to decide what they want to do and i thought they came back uh this fall in in the right mindset uh being able to practice a little bit earlier i think has been good for everybody thought our guys came in uh hungry and ready to go uh so you know and and we brought in nine freshmen and they have really injected some energy uh enthusiasm and, and some talent at some positions. So, you know, I, I feel good about the group. Um, so, you know, but I have no idea, you know, what I've learned so far is that, you know, w- you go on the road against really good teams. Um, and the, even though the target has been on our back for quite some time, you know, it, maybe it's another level that, that our opponent are going to, going to play to that both teams, Marietta and Hamden and Sydney played, I thought, at an incredibly high level. Uh, Not that we didn't play well, but we certainly didn't match uh, theirs. So um, we're going to have to do that.
0: Talk to me a little bit about the team before we get into those games. I'm curious because when I looked at it as a top 25 voter, I thought to myself, you've got more coming back than I anticipated. I know when you and I talked post-game of that championship and a little bit offline, you kind of pointed at a couple guys going, well, he's actually not leaving and and he's actually not leaving so give us a sense who did you lose and what were the keys that came back
7: so we lost five players um and you know i I think that you know just every team is different you know and these things you know to win championships any championship never mind the national championship takes so much just chemistry work effort and all those things and so You know, you're going to point to Matt Brody, who was really uh, a glue guy for us, who defended the other team's best player, scored big baskets, stretched the defense with his three-point shooting, uh, was a great leader. Um, So we lost Matt. Rodney Graves, who had come in uh, as a transfer from a die, gave us huge minutes, played really well uh, in in a couple of the the games uh, in the NCAA tournament, uh, and, and really played pretty well all year. Uh, But then we we had guys like Brandon Edmond, Tyler Trimble, and Nick Thomas, who didn't play as much, but, you know, they had been around for a long time and provided really, really good leadership, Um, you know, kind of helped us keep the group going in the right direction. So uh, those are the five guys we lost. And then we brought in, you know, a a slew of freshmen. So Trey Barber, John Hines, Ty Henderson, you know, guys that had great years last year, Um, you know, they're returning a little banged up. Uh, but but they're here.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. You bring back, you mentioned Tra- uh, Trey Barber, uh, Hines and Hines, both Hines we should point out, um, and other guys from this unit. And that's why I was like, geez, this is a, a bit of a scary unit. Did you guys have a different um, week's leading up? Like how did you treat what is now a new rule in Division Three, where you can spend more time prior to October 15th with the players. Did you guys change that up? How did that affect how you guys got ready for the season?
7: I thought it was great. Um, I, I'm really pleased that the NCAA did that. I think it's uh, really beneficial to the student athlete. You know, so we well, all we did pretty much was go three weeks earlier uh, and go two or three days. So, you know, I think it was two days, three days, two days, um, You know leading up so they were able to have a good practice a day off a good practice a couple days off a good practice you know it's so much better you know in my mind for their their health uh and kind of easing into the conditioning of of what is going to be a very long season so i thought it was good uh you know we were we were healthy throughout all of that and you know i thought we we were kind of where we wanted to be challenge for us was with these freshmen you know, we we spent quite a bit of time t- teaching them and getting them ready because we're going to need some of them to contribute, uh, you know. And so the balance of having older guys that you've been there, done it, they know what we're doing, um, and you're teaching some younger guys the very basics, you know, it's, it's a fine uh, balance. And, you know, I think we did okay. Certainly at our results here, I think we could have done better.
0: You, you mentioned that there's a target on your back. Yeah, there's been a target on you guys for a while. But at the same time, you've always had a little bit of an underdog role. I think a lot of people for a number of years thought, yeah, as good as the captains are, they're not in this conversation. Or we think this team will beat them. A uh, Marietta will beat them. Or a uh, Randolph Makin'll meet them. And so you guys have always seen me come from that underdog role. That feels like this year it's different. You are the expected one now. Does that. Has that affected how the team's mentality is?
7: Yeah, I don't know, you know, but you are right. I mean, in the unbelievable history that is Christopher Newport basketball, the very first time we were ranked number one was last December. You know, that's pretty shocking, actually, um, with some of the success that we've had uh, before me and, and during my time. You know, and we struggled to handle that last year. Immediately, we lost two in a row after being ranked number one. So I felt that that this year, um, you know, maybe we had learned, you know, what that was going to be and what it looked like. Uh, and and I think we have to a certain degree, um, but you know, maybe we're still getting used to it. I don't know. Uh, I know that we played some really tough teams uh, on the road, so uh, I'm I'm not going to overreact to yeah. You know, some tough losses against two teams that I think are, are really terrific and, and on a national level on the road.
0: Become uh, the uh, number one team in December, lose two in a row. You're the preseason number one and you lose two out of three. I'm sensing a theme. Would you like to coordinate when you become the number one team to, uh, looking at your schedule and how you want to rally the guys?
7: Well, our our statement to the guys has been the same thing since the day I got into coaching and you know, I, I just don't take this the wrong way. I think rankings are great uh, for the fans. I think they're a great way to for entertainment value. Um, they they provide a lot of competitive juice to the to the games. But as a coach and your team, you know, our message every year is there's only one ranking that matters, and that's the one that comes out at the end of the season after the last game. And, uh, and John, this time we told we're me number one.
0: Yeah, that's not when you told me I'm in many a conversation asking why you weren't ranked higher. Come on, be honest. I'm kidding. Yeah, right. I'm totally kidding. Let, <laughs> let's talk, let's talk about the season, though, at this point. You played three games, and this is no slouch of a schedule. Now I know because of the setup with a C to C, you've got to go out there and schedule. You've got to go find, and you've never shied away. Hamden Sydney, Kenyon, Marietta, Randolph Macon, Johns Hopkins. Buffalo State, Rowan. That's the first kind of salvo here before we turn into December. Kenyon, under a new head coach, hasn't had the best of times. You played them at Marietta, maybe the one down there. But Hamden-Sydney, Marietta, Randolph-Macon, Johns Hopkins, all perennial these days, powerhouse teams. Hamden-Sydney came in number eight in the Preseason Bowl. You, You knew going into this, this was not going to be an easy stretch. I'm assuming you went into this expecting that there's no way to expect to be undefeated.
7: Yeah, I don't. I mean, I never really looked at it like that. Um, you know, we, as you, as you mentioned, if you look back, we schedule as as difficult as we can. I don't shy away from playing better teams or more talented teams or, or teams that I think are going to provide us some growth and learning opportunities. Um, so it just so happened this year that they all were stacked up, you know, kind of back to back a little bit coming off of the, the championship. And, you know, honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, if there's any complacency, it's long gone now. Um, and if, if any of these freshmen wanted a, a easy transition into college basketball, see you later. So, And we've played a number of freshmen in these big games. So, uh, you know, I just I never worry too much about losing games. Obviously, we want to win every time we step on the floor and we expect to to perform at our highest level. But, you know, we don't win the championship last year if not for that back to back loss in December. Mm -hmm. We don't get it if not for losing to Randolph-Macon uh it's just it's part of the deal and and i think those teams that go undefeated and win the whole thing i i just have so much respect um yeah. i couldn't imagine doing it without some bumps along the way with that shared adversity where your team has got to like you know really dig in and and you know decide what they stand for and what they're willing to do to get there and and we're going through that right now
0: as you mentioned these games have all been on the road the the Next, you actually start on the on the home side of things tomorrow on Wednesday against Randolph-Macon and then Johns Hopkins this weekend. So you'll get home at least to play things at the Freeman Center. But listen, a couple losses I don't think would be the most shocking thing. I think that stood out to me was the fact that it was a 74-53 loss to Hamden-Sydney. What was it about that game at their place that obviously being the first game of the season just didn't click for you guys?
7: they were they were awesome I mean they played terrific, and uh Caleb had them ready, and those guys you know um you know we we ended their season last year um yeah. at their place, you know, so you know we would have had to really perform at a at a you know things would have just had to go really well and and I think it could have um you know we lost two starters during the game to injury not that that's an excuse mm-hmm. we have a next man up mentality but you know those guys were playing really well colin hines and ian anderson couldn't finish the game um and, and you know those little things can can snowball a little bit we had some freshmen step in that maybe weren't quite ready for that moment um but honestly it's a credit to Hamden City sydney and it got away from us and um you know we missed shots i think we were three for 24 from three and you know you sprinkle that in there and you're gonna get your butt whooped and we did <laughs>
0: Uh, I did notice that those two guys aren't back yet, at least in the next two box scores. Are these long-term uh, injuries, or do you guys hope it's short-term?
7: Yeah, we've we had it, you know, and I think people talk about what does it take to win a national championship. You know, they never asked me that before, or they ask me now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, not that I know, but I, the one thing I do know is that you need to have you know, the majority of your team remained pretty healthy throughout the year. And we were able to do that last year. And we're just, we got hit with it here early. Uh, we just had another star to go down, uh, at Marietta and it will be out for the year. And, you know, those guys are they're I think they will be back in a, in a limited role. So, you know, we just got to, all that said, I really like the opportunities that they provide for some other guys. And, um, I think we have some talent. We have incredibly competitive practices. So I, I think there's going to be some names that that you've never heard before that if we have the season I'm hopeful we can have that you'll be talking about in February.
0: Well, and you also will have a point, because the way you have to schedule, you're going to have a point where you can get these guys some time and some minutes in games that you should be able to still win. And this isn't a knock on the Mary Baldwins of the world out there, but you've got to schedule anybody and everybody. Not everybody can be on the caliber of Hamid Sydney and Johns Hopkins, so you're going to have some time to trial and error a little bit. As long as you win, obviously there, there's, you know, everyone's going to be coming gunning for you. But is there a, is that a benefit to some degree?
7: Yeah, although like I said, these guys are playing right now, um, yeah. So it'll it'll make them more ready for for every game. I mean, and we really. I know again it's great you got to talk about these teams and they're ranked and all that but like you know i I mean i just you're always you're competing against yourself you know it's about your it's about us that's how i've always approached this thing and you know um let's play the best let's get better and it doesn't matter what the record of the other team is i mean i can tell you stories you know seven eight years ago we went into a place that you know, hadn't won a game in the conference and they knock us off. You know, what I mean you gotta be ready to play.
0: Oh, that's absolutely the truth. Yeah, I can understand that entirely. Uh listen, you're gonna have an interesting quote unquote conference slate too. Mary Washington not a slouch at all in any stretch of the imagination. Uh Salisbury's always gonna give you a hard time. You're gonna have other conference mates that certainly are gonna be gunning for you and you get that travel aspect of it. Uh, of the West coast, uh though on the schedule i don 't see you making a trip out to Santa Cruz right now. how do you split up your your season it, Do you say okay here 's our early part, we got to focus and do this, then there is this section of it, and then there's this et cetera et etc how How are you going to break up the season
7: yeah so the the biggest key in our scheduling is is filling the voids in january you know yeah. and you know mo at salisbury and marcus and mary walsh were kind of we played like a little round robin uh so yep. it's a typical conference deal so that takes up february um so i mean that's fairly normal so it's just kind of like the last three weeks of january trying to find teams that have a buy uh or are willing to play at that time uh, and I think we were able to do that really well. And and not that having a little seven or eight day break in there is the worst thing, but you don't want like a two week break. I don't think. Sure. So just finding teams that can do that. It just so happened to be, I think Pfeiffer uh, fit in there and Santa Cruz is coming from the West coast to play all of us again. Um, so I, I really like the balance at that time of, you know, game few days off game. Uh, you know, I, th- I think we have a chance to be in a decent rhythm uh, you know, as we head into February, uh, and absolutely Mary Washington, you know, I mean, they got a lot of really good pieces back, uh, brought some in, looked like they played Catholic really tough. Uh, It's always a rival game, and the championship goes through Fredericksburg this year as they host. So, um, you know, I I think the C2C is going to be a a really good uh, tournament at the end here.
0: Well, and the other thing interesting about your schedule is I see a lot of different styles. So you see Hampton, Sydney, and Marietta, Randolph-Macon, Johns Hopkins. Buffalo State doesn't play like any of them. Virginia Wesleyan's going to give you a completely different look with Macedo, uh, still coaching there. Barry and Emery, back-to-back games, I don't think there's anything common about those two, plus Marymount and and Salisbury and, and Mary Washington. To some degree, your schedule prepares you really well for a possible March run because you see a lot of everything.
7: Yeah, you know that's a great point, Dave. And we've, you know, we've kind of hit on that a little bit. Uh, but you're absolutely right. You know, when when we are able to get to the postseason, and we, we're such a, a heavy scouting team, it's it's helpful to say, as you know, especially in a back to back. You know, you you play Wheaton and Mary harden Baylor back to back, and you know, it's hard to teach the players 10 brand new players overnight and be, have them ready. But it's a lot easier if you say, hey, this team plays exactly like Lynchburg or whoever. And it kind of clicks. And then, you know, as long as you hit it, right, right. Um, your players can feel a little more more comfortable that okay, been there done that we know what we're up against, they're going to trap they're going to zone, we're going to see this action on on defense. But uh, I think it's a really good point. I think it's it's one of the benefits uh, of, of playing such a, a variety of teams.
0: Going back to the school, the championship and everything, obviously soccer won a, women's soccer won a championship a few years ago. Um, you've had success with softball. Women's basketball was on the verge last year tell me a little bit about how much has changed on campus in terms of the atmosphere, the expectations, et cetera, from the time you started because Christopher Newport was always good, but now it feels like everyone thinks that every sport should be running for a championship. And that's gotta be an amazing buzz on a campus. Yeah, it has. I mean, uh, it's the one thing 13
7: years ago or 14, whatever it is now, that, you know, when I arrived on campus and it was about half complete of this billion dollar renovation, you could you could see what it was going to be. Um, you, you could start to get a sense of the excitement uh, on campus for athletics, uh, basketball had already had a great history, um, you know, but not not the final four Um And, you know, no team had won a national championship there. A few have been close when I first got here. uh, Volleyball hosted. I think they were in the championship. Field hockey, I think, was in the championship. So there's certainly some really, really good teams. Um, But but once uh, soccer won that thing, it's almost like, you know, uh, it just provided belief for the rest of the student athletes on campus who had been really close uh, and immediately softball. Uh, knocked that thing over, and we were able to get there. And we've had some teams right now that, you know, I think they're close. I thought our field hockey team had a great chance this year. We host the the final four, and uh, they just got knocked out in the last round. Um, you know, but I think women's soccer is still going. Football just won the NJAC, uh, and they're going to go to Randolph-Macon this weekend for a game uh, in the NCAA. So, yeah, it, it's we were seventh in the Learfield, and we don't have a pool. I mean, it's it's crazy. Really, we have. Yeah. We only have but so many sports. you got you got to score in 20 of them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the, the level of competitive excellence and the, the commitment on campus, is it's, it's really awesome. Uh, it's, it's everything that you could ask for uh, as a student athlete and a coach.
0: John, you don't have a pool, but you do have a, a large body of water shortly near. I, I'm just saying put some lanes out there and you guys got swimming.
7: Yeah, we got, we have a pool and a pond, Dave. The pond would be good for you.
0: you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, it would. Uh, well played, sir. Hey, John, appreciate you the time. Appreciate the patience with us too uh, as well tonight uh, due to our, our hiccups here. Uh, as always, love chatting with you. Um, I know we're starting their season with you. Maybe we'll get you guys back on a little bit later in the year to hear how things have gone since then. Good luck with the injuries. Hate that on anybody. And we'll look forward to seeing how the captains play the rest of the year you know this as always we give the guests the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuned in
7: not today man it's go time i'm, I'm so focused on rent off making i can't even uh think straight right now so josh markle's got me up late at night right now so um tune in it's going to be a heck of a ball game tomorrow and uh this this is what the kid, these kids play for and uh, i'm i'm I feel privileged to to be able to coach in this one tomorrow. It's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Hey, John, the two previous national champs facing off, I just wish I could get down there. Uh, it, it should be a dandy of a game.
7: Yeah, it will be. Awesome. Hey,
0: Thanks, Dave. Take care of yourself. Thanks for joining me. Thanks. John Gregorian joining us last week on the Hoops Will Show, the only thing that actually aired properly other than the opening block I uh, appreciate it, John, coming on. By the way, he mentioned women's soccer was still in the mix. Unfortunately, they lost in the quarterfinals to Cal Lou, uh, Cal Lutheran on to the championship weekend in Salem, Virginia, along with Messiah. So it will be Cal Lutheran against Tufts on the women's side and Messiah versus Washu on the women's side. And on the men's side, a little bit of a wonky Final Four, to be honest with you. Washington College versus St. Olaf and Amherst versus Washington and Lee. So not how I saw a lot of that playing out, to be completely honest with you. But congratulations to, uh, to all those on soccer uh, on how they got in there, and we'll be busy with that next week. They don't play their Final Fours Thanksgiving weekend. They play them the final weekend. We'll talk more about that next Monday because I'll be there for the men's, well, for both of them, but calling the Men's Soccer Championships once again. Thanks again to John Kikorian. Um, We'll take another break. When we come back, we talk to the Hall of Famer. Dave Hickson joins us to chat all things that are himself and the Hall of Fame and Amherst and his coaching tree and all of that. It's a great conversation. Be sure to turn in, tune in. You're listening to Hoopsville. Presented by D3Hoops.com. Back with more after this. The National Association of Basketball Coaches is the nation's premier professional development and advocacy organization for basketball coaches at every level. The NABC strives to serve as the voice for coaches on national issues while advancing the core value of leadership, service, advocacy, education, and inclusion. To learn more about the NABC and to become a member, visit nabc.com and follow the NABC on social media at nabc1927. That's nabc.com or nabc1927 on social media. We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's nearly 850 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over two decades, from Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com Well, folks, we're back on the air. Uh, camera we've lost temporarily. Uh, don't know what happened. Systems crashed there, and we don't have our camera back up and running. So you're not going to see my face here for a bit, and maybe for the rest of the show where it's not a big concern for us. Uh, we want to keep moving with the show. Um, not sure what happened there, but uh, bear with us. Uh, coming up, Dave Hickson uh, joined us earlier today. Of course, Dave Hickson got enshrined in the Naismith Hall of Fame. Congratulations to him, to say the least. Uh, First Division Three individual uh, to get in on the merits of his Division Three resume. There are certainly many others who deserve those accolades and have not gotten them. Um, you could say this is a bit of a test case. Uh, we talk a little bit about it, but we got hints that maybe this was coming late last season. Um, and Dave sits down with us to talk about the enshrinement. He talks a little bit about uh, the start of the basketball season, which he keeps his uh, foot uh, or I should say eyes on quite a bit, keeps his his ears to the grindstone as well, and we talk a little bit about his former program and his coaching tree. We talked to him earlier today. Now joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline, the Hall of Famer, Dave Hickson joins us. I mean, listen, we could probably call you a Hall of Famer for a lot of reasons, Um, but ultimate Naismith Hall of Famer was one that you and I talked about for years Probably wouldn't come true. It came true, sir. And you're in. You've got the jacket. I love that you wore it during the ceremony. You've got the ring. It's been a few months since it all happened. How, are you still on Cloud Nine?
2: Yeah, I don't know if, if it's necessarily Cloud Nine. I mean, I'm certainly on that cloud too. But there's, uh <laughs> I was just down there today. And it, it just, again, it's one of these things where you look around. And it brings me back to our discussion years ago as to whether we would get anyone in or not or when we would get someone in. And uh, it's just such an awesome group of people. It's hard for me, you know, forget the class that just went in, which was an awesome class. But when I think back to my heroes, you know, Larry Bird and, uh, you know, Magic Johnson, Michael uh, Jordan, when you look at yourself in the same building as those guys and, and in, you know, you're a Hall of Famer just like they're a Hall of Famer it's it's hard almost to fathom it. You know, it's just, I was, like I said, I was down there today and it, everybody's saying hi to me. Hey, coach, how are you? And, you know, this and that. And, you know, they all treat you so well, but you just look around and you think like, wow, this is just, it's unbelievable.
0: Yeah, I was going to say the other thing that comes with it is it's kind of like when you're knighted over in England or, or something and it automatically comes with Hall of Famer Dave Hickson. Here's the Hall of <laughs> Famer Hickson. You, that, that is the preface for the rest of your life that's that's a pretty cool uh, thing to to have to start but it, it's such a nod not only to your career but what division three really is it's you know you, we're finally getting the recognition that we've all argued we've been deserving for years but look at the class you also went in with you went in with yeah. Greg Popovich and um, some of the Tremendous basketball players and coaches, male and female. It felt like a breaking out year for the Hall of Fame. Like it needed this in terms of for a lot of reasons, not only for yourself but women and others. So you're part of a very unique and special class. Has has that kind of sunk in as well?
2: Yeah, and, and I think that's one of the things that you know, you know, I'm, I never know quite what to say when people say to me like, uh, "Hey, geez, wow, you know this and that," right? And I always go, "Well." right place, uh, right time, right resume. And, and I think that's the deal. I mean, I think they were looking to open it up a little bit this year. You know, Jerry, uh, Colangelo said that openly, which gave me hope, but again, it was one of those distant hopes. Um, and, you know, right resume, um, I still don't know exactly what the committees are looking for. And we've talked about this before, you know, is it wins? Is it championships? Is it is it final fours? Is it the combination of three? I don't know what they look for. And, you know, again, having gone through the process and spoken to people about the process, they don't even talk about it to each other. And so, you know, it's one thing when you get past the North American committee, which is nine people, when they voted, you have to get seven or nine votes. They were zooming. And so one person, a persuasive person, could make an argument and sway the group, correct? Or or enough votes that you could get to seven which seven out of nine is is you a know, pretty good percentage but then it's 18 out of 24 and the 24 never get together and so uh matter of fact they don't even know who each other are in most cases uh, a couple of them know each, who each other uh, is but the uh but the, for the most part they don't even know and so it's not like one guy is out promoting you or or trying to get you in and so it's uh it's interesting stuff, and so what are they looking at? Well, I just think the resume, and I don't know, you know, I don't know what is important on that resume, but you know, it, I, you know, it's a funny way to look at things. I look at that this way too: is that not just who's in because that's remarkable, of course, because it's the Hall of Fame. Who's not in? You know, who's not in? And and you know, the problem, the problem with halls of fame is that you know not everybody gets in, and I, I can tell you. I have a list of coaches who I think are the best coaches that I've coached against and they won't get in, and they won't get in because they don't have the resume. They don't have the numbers. And, uh, and yet um, they're the best, some of the best coaches that I've ever coached against year in, year out, not one year, but year in, year out. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting.
0: I agree with you. And, and listen, I thought that was always going to be division three's problem is listen, you know, full well, my, my, Dander got up for lack of a better term to go old school there, when when there were guys like Huggins getting into the Hall of Fame with one national championship, half the wins, and you're like, well, this is a name recognition thing. This is this is a D one thing. This isn't honoring those who are the best in college basketball necessarily. And I'm not trying to knock on Huggins, but geez, I could list you 50 guys who who are gals. Who deserve this? If Huggins deserves this, that was my point. If he deserves it, then I can name you a lot who also deserve it. And in Division Three ranks, they include the Glenn Robinsons, the um, Steve uh, Moores, the Bo Ryan's. Because listen, we can all talk about what he's done in Division One, but Chase, right. what he did in Division Three was maybe more difficult than what. It, well, arguably, it is more difficult than what he did in Division One. And there's women's coaches. We could go down the list of in Division Three. Does this do you think open that door? Not necessarily for a flood. I'm not expecting the dam to open. and We get a flood of Division Three nominees, but does this open the door maybe for those to get a more fair
2: look? I think so. I do think so. I think that uh, I, think, I think I represented us well, and that was one of sort of my missions when I went to all the events that we had was to make sure that uh, the way I spoke, the way I conducted myself, getting out to meet people, uh, talking to people about my situation, Division Three, and that sort of stuff that I that I represented Division Three well. So, you know, I, I, I certainly think the door is more open. You know, how open is that? We'll have to wait and see. I mean, I think, you know, I had a couple guys come up to me and shake my hand and said, hey, the happiest guy in America right now is Bo Ryan because, <laughs> Yes! he's he's so happy that you got in because now he's gonna get in he's got three championships and uh is it three I think it's three and then he went to division one and so uh more than that. it could be four but I think I think I think it's three but anyway it was three in a short period of time Yes. and uh, so that was sort of uh between two or three guys that was a running joke that you know Bo would be next but you know I don't know again it, it's I would love to be on the inside to find out what criteria they're looking at what What are they looking at and and um that would be a helpful sort of directional if you would uh you know for us to figure it out like i i was looking over different resumes of division three coaches and there are a couple of the women i i, I want to say and i'm not coming up with a name right now but i want to say wash you who may have like five championships yes
0: absolutely
2: yeah and, and a lot of women. In wins. a
0: row, she won. They, they won like, they went three seasons undefeated.
2: Right. And so, you know, as I look at those, I think like, so if it's, we'll find out if it's open. I think, I think what's going to happen is we're going to find out, if not this year. I don't know what the class looks like this year yet. I don't, I, again, I heard sort of rumor and speculation it wasn't going to be like this class, you know, as big or as star studded, yeah. leaving me out, that is. But, but the rest of the stars, you know, those five, The five big stars and um you know so is there room this year or is it that we that it waits i don't know i I, you know it's hard to say dave but i do think that you know again one of my missions going down there was and all the things that we did was to represent us well and let people know who we were you know right from the get-go even on my speech when i said hey you know i'm not a household name i'm not on the talk shows every night but i do have a story now listen to me here's my story yeah and. and that's a story that so many Division Three guys can tell.
0: Um, to Go in reverse here. Nancy Faye, the coach we're talking about at WashU, who was a phenomenal. She went on to Illinois late in her career. Didn't work out great at Illinois, but it wasn't horrible. But she was a powerhouse of a coach at WashU. Everyone had to catch up to what they were doing. You had Mike Strong at Scranton. Certainly had a, kind of a Glenn Robinson-esque like uh, career in terms of racking up wins and accolades. Just maybe not doesn't have the championship total to go with it, but still deserving uh was the winningest coach in division three until another new england coach uh our favorite uh Uh, passed him just about a year or two ago. There's another coach, he's active now, but deserves to go in. And then go back further. Bo Ryan won four national championships. Okay, I'm sure by the time I've mentioned that, I've gotten a few notes on it. But yes, Bo Ryan won four national championships and got to a Final Four a fifth time uh, in 92. They ended up losing the semifinals. They were 30-5 and in the NCAA tournament under his tenure. That that was no joke back in the day when there was a lot less... um, uh, diversity in the tournament. You were going to run into some behemoths in the in the Midwest just to get out to the championship weekend. So, yeah, I mean, I'd be fascinated to see where that all goes. Backing up a little bit, you, you talked about your speech, loved your speech. Um, there were a couple of notes about the speech I, I got a kick out of. First off, hats off on on your glowing review of your wife uh, and your kids. I'm sure that allowed you back in the house. Um, but more importantly, just shows that it's a Hickson family thing. Um, it's not a solo job there at all uh, in Massachusetts.
2: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I do think that, uh, you know, I'm so proud of what my kids have done because they've done it in their passions, you know, and, and uh, they've been able to follow their passion the whole way. And, you know, a lot of that credit goes to their mom and, and she, I've always said she's an outstanding coach. And, you know, if she, if she wasn't limited because of family or me, that you know she would have been an olympic diving coach because that's how good she is and she they still call her in and until we officially go to florida which is very soon uh and she may find work down there but here at umass or amherst the schools call and say hey would you come in and help us with this because we can't quite figure out how to get over the hump with a double twister or something like that right and she goes in and she loves it and she loves doing it all the time and so it's uh it's a great coach
0: I don't know. Your time's, uh, you know, cleared. Maybe she can do that Olympic stuff now. I'm just, just a thought. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, backing up too. I, I don't know if it was part of his speech or not. It felt like an ad lib, but I did notice the camera was positioned appropriately to get your response. But Greg Popovich made a hell of a comment right. in the middle of his speech about the hall of famer here. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but the hall of famer here really is you, not him. It was a heck of a moment, sir.
2: Yeah, it was a great moment. It was uh I would have to say that, you know, people that have talked about that night and about the speeches, they all come back to that one moment, really, where Popovich said that. And they were all sort of like, wow, that was like a moment. And uh it was cool. And you know, he he started in division three, he gets it. Um but you know, I found that all of those guys, for the most part, ninety percent of the time, uh they're so willing to give other people the credit. I mean, I you know, Paul Gasol and uh um uh Tony Parker, particularly the European guys, were just uh so embracing of me, which was wonderful. I mean, I you know, I spent time with them. Uh, I was one of them. And it was it was amazing to me. It, uh,
0: I would say, and this is not a knock on, on Dwayne Wade, it was maybe Awesome up until uh he finished the night and then I kinda tuned out a little bit. Um I, I lost interest at about that point. Thankfully he was the last one. Just well my, awesome well, my question
2: see. my question with Dwayne is that when I went up and gave my speech, he was wearing white, a full white outfit. Yes. He I was. came back down, he was wearing a full oh no, it was red and then white. I'm sorry, it was red first and then white. And I, I wanna know where he gets his wardrobe and how he changes so quickly. It's he must have worn four outfits that day. And so God bless him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dirk was
0: great. The whole event. Um, feel a little bit behind the scenes, folks. I was working on a why isn't there a Division Three coach Hall of Fame segment last year. We were on the verge of blowing it and, and doing it, I should say, blowing it out of the gate. Dave was going to come on. We had other guests lined up. We had some media likes to talk about why isn't Division Three getting any love. And I got an email, I'm not going to say from whom, but I got an email that gave me a hint that, you know what, something might be in the works here. And I slammed <laughs> on the brakes on the entire thing. I, I pulled full stop because something told me, you know what, and no, I didn't have the news, but something told me, if this individual isn't wanting to come on and talk about this, Something tells me maybe we've got a chance, and I'm glad you got that yeah. opportunity and welcome. Uh, I, I, it's going to take me a while to always address you as Hall of Famer Hickson, I, uh, but I'll get there. <laughs>
2: a- a- well, H- you know, F- it's, funny. it's funny because, you know, you get nominated. I had been nominated before the year before. Uh, Steve Moore had been nominated yeah. two years. And, but that's sort of where we thought we were. Right. You know, And then Tip all of, the of a sudden. Hat, but
0: that's it. it.
2: And then on, on February 18th, you know, they announced the finalists, I'm in the finals. And all of a sudden, I'm thinking like, okay, so the finals, that's great. That's like the first time anyone's been in the finals. And this is a long shot now. It's such a great class. And the strangest thing is that it was April 1st, so get that, April Fool's Day, that you had to take a call. It, they give them a half-hour window and be by your phone. You had to film the phone call. They wanted a reaction one way or the other. They didn't tell you what it was going to be. And, and they called up and you know, Jerry Colangelo delivered the message and he just said, hey, Dave, Jerry Colangelo here. And I said, hi, Jerry. And he goes, how are you? And I said, I'm good. How are you? You know, pleasantries and stuff. And then he said, I just want to let you know you're going to be enshrined into the Hall of Fame. And the first words out of my mouth were, Jerry, could you repeat that? Only because there's one one three-letter word that would have made a difference in that. You're not going to be. And so on April Fool's Day of all times, I, you know, timing. (laughs) and then the hardest part was for five or six days, we were sworn to secrecy so that it could be announced live. I'm sure that it got out a little bit, but they tried to keep us quarantined down in Houston. And so it was it was an adventure, but a fun one.
0: I got to give I'll say this publicly. I got to give Dave credit. I was one of those who was bugging him after I knew he had gotten the call. (laughs) <laughs> but before the announcement had come out, so I could prepare, because I knew I was going to be slammed with work. I wanted to be in a, in a position that I could at least be ready to report if necessary. He did a fabulous job of not giving me any idea of which way to lean. I got I think politics might be your future, sir. That, that was well yeah, done. Right. <laughs> Just want to give the committee all the assurances in the world. You were doing a fabulous job of keeping that to yourself as best you could. Thank you. Um, hey, let's pivot a little bit. Um, by the way, quick note, I loved your ESPN interview um, as well. That, that was fun to watch um, you. after you've been announced. Um, pivot a little bit. I know as much as you've retired, you have not stopped watching basketball in Division 3. I will get random texts from you about teams you're watching. I will get calls from you about teams you're watching and things you're keeping track of. So I'm dying to know. A, a little bit of how last year finished and what you thought of last season, and B, how you've seen this year, se- uh, this season start because it has started with a bang.
2: Yeah, it really has. It's uh, and I haven't, I haven't spread my wings quite yet because I'm trying to watch sort of in quotes my guys and NESCAC early. Uh, I've watched a couple out of uh, region type teams of coaches who I've adopted over the last couple of years who have called me up to ask me a question. So then I watched their games and then I just, you know, I, I sort of adopt them and watch them too. And uh, I actually had four games going at once the other night. And uh, it was, uh, it, it's You're hard. You're one of to, us. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. And uh, I I was telling someone the other day, I saw, I've seen, you know, Amherst, Williams, Middlebury, Colby, Bowden, Bates, Trinity. I haven't seen Khan. I haven't seen Wesleyan or Tough Shit. Those are the three I saw a little bit of Tufts, but not enough to say I've seen them. But uh, so three NESCAC teams, that's it that I haven't seen. I've seen a lot of New England. I saw an absolutely great game the other night when I watched the whole game when Middlebury uh, lost to St. Joe's up there. And, you know, Middlebury's 0-4, right? And they are good. I'm telling you right now, like, they are a really good team. And and I, won't, I will not count them out of winning NESCAC. I won't. I mean, I just think that, you know, Williams has got good talent. But Williams got spanked by WPI to start the season by like seventeen, and uh, and I haven't seen Tough yet, but Tough looks pretty good. I did see Trinity. I saw Trinity really beat up. We're going to talk about Aaron a little bit, and that was his second game, and I thought that'd be a tough game for him just because this, you know, they're fifteen years along as opposed to fifteen days sort of thing, and so it uh, it was just a little bit too much for him. But Trinity looks good, so I'm excited to watch it. Uh, happen, and I think that you know, last year was exciting as always. It was, uh, it was great fun getting out and seeing everybody to uh, in Fort Wayne, first time I'd been there to coach the all star game. And uh, but you know, it's uh, you know, I'm always rooting for my Nescak boys, I wish they'd you know get a little further along. Uh, and you know, this year is going to be interesting because I think it's a really divided, from what I can tell so far, it's really a divided league. There's there's really. There's a stronger upper half, and I don't know if it's as strong as it's been, but there's a stronger upper half, and then a not-so-strong lower half. And so it's going to be interesting as it goes.
0: Yeah, some talk already, and we'll talk more about it in future shows. I mean, the NESCAC may be a step back from where we're accustomed. Yes, the top's strong, but not as strong as we're used to. The bottom half isn't as competitive, maybe dating back to about 10 years ago when we kind of had that normal split between the upper and the and the bottom but, you know, we'll see how it all transitions. I think there's still some COVID effects in play. Um, kind of talking about that, though, your Amherst squad, your former uh, team that you were in charge of, and then that's kind of where I get to this COVID thought. They, they don't seem to have gotten their feet under them as much as I expected. I expected them to have taken a few steps by now in the right direction. It feels like they're a little bit stuck in neutral. Is that hard to watch from afar?
2: Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, it's again, you know, uh, Marlon is, is his own guy and he's going to do his own thing. And so I am hands off totally on that. Um, but I do think that, you know, I think, I think we need to wait. I, th- I think by the end of this semester we'll have a great sense of where they are. I think, you know, I think last year lingered a bit and, you know, they had a tough year last year. They didn't make the NESCAC tournament, uh, but it lingered a little bit. And so I think, you know, the first game, they got sort of caught, I think, a little off guard a little bit. Um, and they're still trying to figure out their rotations. Second game, they almost got caught again uh, by uh, a Vermont squad, but a really good coach, uh, Paul Copo, And uh, he's been around all over the place. And so he's a good coach. And he's got those kids, even though they weren't very tall, they were doing all sorts of great stuff. And, but then then they figured it out they they won that game. If they'd lost that game i I would have some concerns i they're they're very talented. they have some really good players there's there's three or four players on that team that I would love to have had on our teams and that can play and so you know they're still they're still searching. they're playing twelve, which is two or three less four less than they were playing in their rotation last year. and you know I was a seven eight sort of maximum nine guy, and by the end of the year it was more eight. But every coach is different, and he's got to sort of figure out his rotations. And when he does, I think they've got talent. And we saw that last year. I mean, as, as much as they didn't make the NESCAC tournament, they beat Williams, they beat Wesleyan, you know, two of the top teams in NESCAC. And so on their night, uh, they were good. And so it's a matter of figuring out. And they got, you know, so everybody complains about how weak their schedule was first semester. But, you know, they're playing Westfield State. Now, Westfield State lost to Dartmouth the other night. But other than that, they beat two teams out of the uh, NJAC, okay. Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, they're, four they're looking and
0: sneaky, aren't they?
2: Yeah, they're four and one. Yeah, yeah, enough to to enough to be a measure, right? I'm watching uh, uh, Yeshiva, and uh, you know Yeshiva was great a few couple years ago. Okay, last year, but again, they know how to play the game. Their coach is a really good coach, and I'm watching their scores. And I'm saying like that's not a giveaway either, right? And then they have uh, Albertus. And I've seen Albertus play. I think Albertus is at Amherst. There's a huge difference between playing not at Albertus. I watched I watched Aaron street played at Albertus the other night. It was crazy. You know, it was just I don't know how referees referee down there. And <laughs> I would say there were minutes that went by when they weren't refereeing, quite frankly. <laughs> but the uh it uh and and they're not as they're not a sleeper either. And so there's at least three games and there might be a fourth or fifth, you know, they don't play Brandeis and Babs anymore like we used to, but there's three good tests, I think, for Amherst in the first semester. And so, yeah, I'm going to wait till that end of that first semester to figure out if they've figured it out. And I hope they do. I mean, they're, again, I've met the kids. They're good kids. Uh, uh, They worked hard. They went uh, to Morocco this summer as a group, which is usually a very good bonding exercise and uh, and they have talent, so I'm looking forward to following it and seeing.
0: Yeah, no, it'll be interesting. I I was kind of curious your take. I appreciate your perspective on it. I agree with you. I, I think, um, you know, he's got the pieces there. If they can figure it out this year, they could be fun to to kind of watch work their way through yeah. the NESCAC schedule. Um, speaking of your guys, you mentioned Aaron Toomey earlier. Obviously, you've got a incredible coaching tree. Whether they played under you, coached under you, with you, or whatever it was. Um, Aaron Toomey, I know, was your assistant when you when you retired, and there's, I'll say it, I think there was a number of people, including maybe yourself, who thought you know they'd like to see Aaron take over that program. I was one who didn't see that coming. I was honest with you about that. He kind of worked his way around, and he got the Hartford job, which I found interesting because that is a tough one to walk into, considering the forgive my words, the uh, detonation of a bomb that their former coach did to that program, um, which I don't think I-, I could go in. I could go a long time talking about what I thought he did. I thought it was rather selfish. Um, those players, those who stuck around into division three need some solid leadership. Here comes Aaron Toomey. your thoughts on him getting that job. Cause it's an interesting one to get. And what do you think he's going to be able to do with it?
2: Well, I think he's going to do great things with it. Uh, you know, first of all, it's a division one facility, uh, it really is. And and when I first walked in and I saw the weight room and I saw the locker room and the, the the arena that they play in, it's unbelievable. I mean, you know, and they do it right. They do it like they did in Division One. Like after the game, he and two of the the kids go into a press room and, you know, they're doing Division One stuff. And so I think it's got that sort of glitz and glamour to it that he's going to get good kids. They can get kids in there. He doesn't have to worry as much about the academics as he did. Uh, They have a graduate school. If they can get graduate transfer, which they did, they have an Amherst kid playing for him, one of my recruits, and he's a great player for him right now. Uh, You know, the downside to it is, you know, the alumni are interesting, and I hope the alumni can get – and he's good at this, but I I hope the alumni can get behind him because if they're going to just hang on to being sour grapes about going from one to three, uh, and particularly if he has a mediocre year, which – I would say he's bound to have only because like he was picking kids up on their way to school, I think at the end of the summer. And I went to his tryouts and, you know, it was crazy. I mean, there was nobody there that really had a ton of experience. And so I was, i tell you what, I went and watched his first game and he won it. And I was so happy for him and his parents were there and the whole deal. And then I suspected they were not going to do as well against Trinity and um, and Trinity, you know, was polished and, you know, they it's not just a program, but, you know, they've built something there. And so it's, you know, kids not just with three years and four years experience playing for the same coach, but there's traditions behind that. And so it was going to be an uphill climb, plus the discipline, the execute, the tough, the physical, and they got whacked good. But I have to tell you, then they went down to Alberta and I was so proud of them. They look like a real basketball team. You know, they look like they middle of the pack, Neskak. And I thought, my gosh, that's good. And I think that's coaching. And I think he's got the kids. I know he went after his kids a bit um, when they he thought they didn't compete as well as they should have at Trinity. And I was trying to solve the wound a little bit. And I said, hey, you know, and he said, no, coach, I'm not going to hear that. We didn't compete. And so I know he's pretty tough on them. And when uh, the kids responded the way they did to go down to Albertus, he's going to have success there. i, I tell you what, Two to three years from now, uh, I'll probably be in Florida already. So you'd be talking to me from Florida. But the uh, uh, we'll be talking about him being a top team. Yeah, honestly, I honestly believe that I, I, they they they're going to get pieces. He had two recruits come down to opening game, and by the end of that game, those both of those kids when they walked by me, I'd gone down and talked to him for him, and they walked by and they said, "Coach, we're coming." That's I impressive thought, uh,
0: to yeah. to get that early. Uh, I agree with you about the alumni. If they can stop drinking the Kool Aid from the former coach and all oh, the woes of B and oh, my, you know, our feelings are hurt. Listen, that's the reality, and it's surprising more schools haven't done it. To I know there's money in D one and all that, but I, I'm I'm still stunned uh, that we don't see more of those coming backs because I that think it's we- a tough world to see in for a school like a U Hartford.
2: Yeah, I, I think even. He- you're spot on. I think that you're going to see a real split. Uh, it's yeah, getting smaller as we yeah, it's getting smaller as we speak. But I think that uh, you're going to see a lot of these low ones that just can't survive. And keep throwing that money into that program, trying to get a payback, and not getting it. I think you're going to see us become a Division One, Division Three world, and uh, that'll take time to sort out. But I I, I agree with hundred percent.
0: Yeah. I'll be, we'll see where it plays out, but congrats to, to me. I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do there. Uh, Polly Thomason's a hell of a woman's coach to have alongside there too, to bounce ideas off of. She's certainly experienced. So he's got uh, a wealth of experience to back up on top of the experience that he already has in his back pocket, obviously being an assistant with you and the career that he had both uh, in college and pro. Uh,
2: and, and, then, and, course, he, and a little was,
0: bit of time he, there in Rochester.
2: Yeah. He was up there in Rochester yeah. too. And Luke does a great job. And, it's it's a different kettle of fish. You know, there's so many similarities, but so many differences between NESCAC and UAA. That's why I like the fact, you know, that that uh, Luke put, has tried to put together a UAA NESCAC challenge. And of course, when you know that NESCAC comes out and says, no, you can't call it that. We didn't give you permission to call. You yeah, gotta be kidding on. me. Come on. Yeah, come on. Yeah. So there you go. Anyway, always fight. that battles, doesn't right? tell
0: you enough. <laughs> but I bite my tongue. Hey, um, Dave, always great to talk to you. We have talked to you far longer than I thought tonight, um, but I appreciate all the time you give us. Sure. Again, congratulations on something not only you deserve, but a men, many people in this division deserve. I hope the door is now open for others. Uh, I get it. It's not going to be a flood, but I, I hope we at least get a few more who get to that honor and recognition for what they have done, especially in the division. Uh, enjoy more of your time off. I know you and Charlie Brock hit the... Golf uh, <laughs> tees quite often. I don't care how you play, but I'm glad you're enjoying it. Uh, as always, we give the final word to the guest. Uh, I know you've been asked that a lot of times, so I don't know if you got any final thoughts left. But any you have to share with us before we sign off?
2: Well, it's it's along the same lines. It's it's a little different only because I think with this thing happening to me and to us, I like to say to us because it's Division Three. Uh, you know, you're the guy that's been fighting the fight. For the longest you know we're all coaching our teams but you're the guy that's made it a uh a divisional product out there and uh in this whole hall of fame thing you're the guy that wanted to schedule the the talk to try to get it over the edge i mean no one's fighting the fight or has fought the fight any harder than you fought the fight and i give you so much credit for that
0: well that's awfully kind of you we didn't get that segment put together as i hoped but that would have been a fun one to do. But, you know, the guys too, Pat and Gordon, the rest, have done it. And uh, we're glad that you get to go in. I'm sorry I couldn't be up there, by the way. I do want to apologize for that. That didn't work out, though. I'm glad Ryan could get there for it. Uh, I got yeah. to watch from home and enjoy it. In the meantime, have safe travels down to Florida. I feel horrible for you that you got to go to Florida. Uh, in I'll the still off-season. be
2: watching, and I'll still be calling and texting.
0: Exactly. You are welcome. You've got the number. Do it whenever you need. Take care of yourself. Right. Have a great Thanksgiving. Have a great holiday, and we'll look forward to talking to you.
2: You too, Dave. Thanks.
0: Dave Hickson joining us on the Hoopsville Hotline. Appreciate Coach being on the show. Uh, you are not looking at me. Uh, you're looking at some old pics of me uh, because we can't get the camera up and running um, since the c- computer crashed. Unsure what happened, but just going to get through the show, and that's a lot easier uh, than anything else, right? Uh, better to not have uh, some awkward situation <laughs> instead. So there you go. That's uh, We're going to go with this for now. But uh, thanks to uh, Dave for coming on the show. Really appreciate him taking the time to do that and great conversation. Great insight, too. Um, I think he's being a little, I think he's tap dancing a little bit with the Amherst question. I appreciate him answering it the best he could. I, I want to see Marlon um, Sears uh, succeed. I, I think Dave does, does too. But um let's see what happens this year. Uh, maybe they can take the next evolutionary step and things can move forward there and things can uh get back to the way they're they're used to having things. I think women's basketball is gonna be interesting to watch there this year as well. Um but yeah, um appreciate Dave coming on uh as always. We'll certainly catch up with him down the road. Uh quick score updates from our, well News and notes and score updates. So score updates from around Division Three tonight, real quick, if you're tuning in live especially. Um, men's side, Carthage got the win over Anderson pretty pretty close, actually, 94-87 in that one. Um, other games played, nothing jumping out at me. WPI got another win. They'll leapfrog into the top 25 next week, I have a feeling. Um, but WPI always has a strong start to the season. It's always the finish we, we don't see. So I think that's going to be another co- topic of conversation this year. Can WPI live up to the start? Um, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. Utica got a win tonight over SUNY IT in the Battle of Uticas, or the Battle of uh, across crosstown rival there. Hartwick and Skidmore played tonight. I didn't get the score update on that. Women's side of things, a couple of top ten programs in action tonight. Scranton and Tufts, six and seven. They both got wins. Tufts got a win over Coast Guard 53 38, and Scranton got the win over Albright, 86 43. So, congratulations to them. Uh, Other scores, not a lot of women's scores tonight, actually. Uh, So, kind of a quiet night. No other scores jumping out at me. Um, Wells is going to have a rough season. They lost Oswego State 72 26. Wells is going to, it's going to be a rough one there. Um, and in Upstate New York at Wells, I think this season. Unfortunately, um, some other news and notes. Want to thank or thank, geez, congratulate Bob McVeigh on his 600th win at RIT in his 40th season there, uh, 43rd season overall, but 40th at RIT. He got the, he picked up his 600th most recently. And uh, we were talking about DePaul earlier. Chris Huffman picked up her 700th win. Uh, after that Transylvania game. So congratulations to those two. You talk about Hall of Fame-type um, caliber coaches, and those two certainly have a pretty impressive resume themselves. So, um, But the likes of Nancy Fay and, and uh, Glenn Robinson and Mike Strong and, and others um, certainly deserve um, more recognition and maybe some uh, Hall of Fame love. Uh, they're not the only ones, you know, obviously Mike Love is, Mike Strong, sorry, is no longer the the all-time winningest coach um, in Division III uh, circles, but that doesn't mean that he certainly doesn't deserve the attention, but there's many of others who have done amazing work, and so I hope Dave Hickson's uh, avenue opens up for everybody else. Um... One bit of news I've been debating about reporting. I, there's been a lot of conference shuffling this offseason. Um, I am curious. It's not going to end. Um, what was interesting was we had heard about the Geneseo and Brockport. Was it Brockport? Oh, my Lord. I just drew a blank. How's, how's that for, for sad? Uh, deciding to join the Empire Eight, we had heard that news. Had held off on whether we were going to announce it. Uh, it eventually, the conference ended up breaking, uh, reporting that news. We we ended up not breaking it. Uh, we had known it for months. Um, there's more more of that coming, um, and it's all coming down to costs. Um, it's what I find fascinating is that a conferences like the Empire Eight or Liberty. Um, I'm just throwing liberty in there, are welcoming public schools in when we've heard for years the conversation that it's not a balanced field, that publics and privates shouldn't, you know. You had the CAC for a long time. There was an even mix of public and private. And we heard for a long time how when the CAC broke up, it was because of the publics and there wasn't a a uh, fair playing field for the private Something that I have not endorsed. I, I have not been one who thought that. I also think when you move from a conference, it doesn't change your recruiting landscape whatsoever, other than how many times you might play those institutions. Um, I still think you can lose uh, a recruit to a public or, a vice or, or vice versa. It doesn't matter if you're in the same conference. Um my point being, though, on the grander scale scale is now we're seeing some pri- publics heading back to some traditionally private conferences or conferences with private institutions. Um, so there's, there's, more new, there's more moves afoot, uh, for the lack of a better description. I am told from reliable sources that SUNY IT will be likely headed to the Empire 8, next year they're pulling the trigger quickly now the nac appears to be losing members on their western front i don't think that's going to be the end of the world for them necessarily uh we can certainly talk about that and others on future shows i think that's going to be a topic of conversation throughout division three but especially um with those uh locations um so we will, we'll we'll be diving into that here in early December. I'm not sure who we'll get on to talk about it all, but I think it's really interesting to talk about the dynamics of what's being changed. Uh, conferences changing, uh, private schools going into public, or uh, publics, again, joining uh, conferences that are primarily privates. Uh, the, the, of course, the merge of the UE, UEC and the CSAC, which surprisingly kept the UEC name, um, and, and front office. We talked a little bit about that. There's a lot there, and I think we'll we'll dive into that in one of our December shows, and talk about those dynamics uh, and some other news from around Division Three as well. So, but we're hearing SUNY IT is heading to the Empire Eight um, as soon as next academic year. Uh, Empire Eight continues to grow um, with more publics, and again for the public schools, it's about less travel. As as we talked with Julie Folks about the the the, the costs increasing for even buses for these institutions. So uh, it's a topic I think it's going to be worth diving into sometime in December, and we'll work on a way of of putting that together. In the meantime, that's going to wrap it up for us. I'm sure there's more we could talk about, but with uh, a weird random crash there of the computer, we're going to sign off with that. It's also pretty late. Um, If you're listening live and you're a podcast member, we're going to get the podcast turned around as soon as we can. There's going to be a slight delay on that. We apologize. Uh, just due to the crash, we we don't have all the archives in the right spot, but we'll get it figured out, but n- n- not worried about that. Uh, in the meantime, we'll be back on the air next Monday, uh, the 27th of November at 7 o'clock. We already have Jenna Cosgrove and Caleb Kimgrove from Rhode Island and Hamden, Sydney, respectively, lined up for the show. We'll get some others on as well, and sooner or later, we'll get our top 25 panels con- uh, convened as well to talk about the top 25 and what's going on in Division Three, games-wise, we'll dive into that topic a bit more. By the way, did not say this the beginning of the show because I ran out of time, and I almost almost forgot. Here, Great Lakes Invitational had another bang-up uh, success. There, Ryan Winnable uh, runs that show. Uh, it looked like a who's who of, of media decided to show up um pat coleman was there because he he decided to get in some football in the area as well so he took advantage ryan scott was there bob quillman made the trip up from texas uh and the snyder brothers were there as well um that that event always makes me want to bring back the hoopsville classic though um winnable has the financial ability to do it more than i do um but We'll see sometime in the future. Of course, we'll also talk in the future about the Las Vegas event, the D three hoops.com classic back on our radars that radars that will be coming up as well Uh, with that. We're going to take a uh, a break until next Monday. I want to thank all of our guests for coming on the show. Of course Uh, the three ladies, uh, Megan Morgan and uh, Natalie at NYU. And of course, uh, Meg Barber and and Jeff Bernstein and Kai for getting your last name Kai I apologize for your assistance in putting that segment together tremendous really really awesome uh, great to go and and kind of supplement the the article that Ryan Scott wrote uh, that was published today on d3hoops.com about transfers in the UAA I thought that was a a neat segment to hear their perspective um, also want to thank uh, Julie Folks for coming on the show course we'll thank chris uh john krikorian because he was on last week but we'll thank him formally this week since we didn't get a chance to do that on last week's show uh on and also thanks to dave hicks and of course the sports information departments at christopher newport and uh transylvania as well for their assistance uh with the segment and with that we're going to sign off you all have a great thanksgiving there's some gonna be some fun basketball between now and then i get To start up my 26th season at Goucher as PA announcer tomorrow night. Looking forward to that and seeing the new coaching staff there as well. But you enjoy the basketball. Enjoy your family and or friends, whoever you spend it with on Thanksgiving. And we'll see you back here on Monday the 27th for the next installment. Of Hoopsville, you're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. Thanks to the support of all those at D3Hoops as well, and and a and a and, and a thanks to the NABC and WBCA, working with them to continue our partnership with this show as well. Thanks everybody for tuning in. You take care of yourselves. You've been listening to Hoopsville it is a copyrighted broadcast of DMAC Productions. Please contact us if you want to use any of the content. We appreciate your time. You all take care, and we'll see you. Next week, happy Thanksgiving. Everyone.